Hello, Gotham. It's your old Uncle Joker speaking, and you're listening to superhero stuff you should know. <laughs> Welcome back, kiddies. It's your oldest Uncle Joker. And this time I am literally taking over the asylum. (laughs) (laughs) With me, as always, are our dear Benjamin and Andrew. How are you two fine young gentlemen doing this (laughs) afternoon? Not bad for being locked up in the asylum with you, Uncle Joker. (laughs) Well, I'm losing my fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you Andrew. didn't have very far to go. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It was already there, pretty much. Yeah, it doesn't take much hosting a podcast. So. <laughs> well, the reason I said literally taking over the asylum is because today's subject is uh, one of my most favorite subjects as far as the Batman lore, and that is the comic history of Arkham Asylum. So... Not so much the fictional history of Arkham, but the uh, publication history of Arkham. You know, how did Arkham start in the comics? Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a look at some famous staff members, some famous inmates, as well as some storylines that center on Arkham itself and take place in Arkham. So, uh, yeah, this is all uh, all Arkham themed today. So um, put on your, uh, what am I thinking of? Put on your straitjackets, bite down onto that little clamp while I put these electrodes on your head. It's going to be a shocking experience. We're not going to talk about, yeah, we're not going to talk about how uh, Grant Morrison used his Arkham Asylum money to go to Nepal and get abducted by aliens. That's not part of today. (laughs) No, but uh, if you'd like to bring it up later, you sure can. (laughs) Okay, probably will. That's all I know about it. But he claims this happened to him. Wow. But he's he's, he's a storyteller, so... Mm-hmm. Who knows what's true? We are definitely going to be uh, delving into two specific Grant Morrison projects that uh, center on Arkham Asylum. One of them not actually being a Batman project, but uh, yeah, we'll be taking a look. All right. Uh, so without further ado, we are going to be jumping in into the depths of depravity. That is Arkham Asylum. And we're going to head back to 1974. Wow. Bum, bum, bum. Get your Man, bell bottoms on and all that shit. over here. <laughs> there we go. Now we can see our shit again. So, in the beginning of 1974, this is actually the uh, first uh, visual Arkham Asylum that we're ever going to see in the comics, and it started out as Arkham Hospital. So, Arkham Asylum is actually inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft, and in particular, his fictional city of Arkham, Massachusetts. And the asylum was introduced by Denny O'Neill and Irv Novick and uh, first appeared in Batman number 258, which is pictured right here. And for the listeners at home and the viewers on YouTube, this was uh, pretty interesting because I was putting together the slideshow when I was doing research for this episode. And at first I did not have the cover up here of the comic. So I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, Batman uh, 258, whatever. I don't know what it looks like. And I was like, well, let me go and find the cover so I can put it up there. And lo and behold, this is the uh, very first comic book I ever owned. I told the story, I think, when we were talking about toys, about how uh, my grandpa would take me to flea markets and yard sales. 
And this is one of the art sales he took me to. I found this comic book, and I still have it today. I will change the little view here so we can see everybody. Well, so whoop, what you got? Sorry, let's Ben. Do that one here. <laughs> uh, but yes, I do. Like <laughs> I do still have it framed. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, but yes, I uh, this one's it has it had sentimental value for me because it's the first comic book, uh, comic book I ever owned, and it's like you know a cool link with my grandpa. I I really loved it as a kid because of the Two Face story, but I had no idea that it was the first uh, actual appearance of Arkham Asylum or Arkham Hospital at the yeah. time. So. Pretty interesting coincidence and you, piece of history there. You got that from like a long box at the at your LBC or no? This L- was at a yard wait, sale. Yeah. It was just like some some random dude uh, had okay, a couple a of comics because it wasn't. Yeah, it was old already at the time, right? It's not a reprint. Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's definitely not a reprint. It's an older mm-hmm. one. Um, but yeah, I remember liking it as a kid because there is a part where. Uh, we've seen this before where like maybe uh, a person is escaping from prison or Arkham and the Joker wants to be let out and whoever's breaking out like kind of taunts him and doesn't let him out. Mm-hmm. That happens in this issue where uh, I'll, I'll look at the storyline, but yeah, it's Two-Face. It's breaking out and, you know, he begs Joker begs him to let him out and <laughs> he basically like snub, snubs him and then like runs off and Joker's like curse you and they're all wearing like gray <laughs> Gray kind of coveralls, which I Curses. thought was interesting as a kid. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, to that to that effect. But um, yeah, this is cool. This is this little panel to the the right here. If we look back, that's uh that's the first illustration of Arkham. So pretty plain, you know. It's not the gar- uh, gothic architecture mm-hmm. that you would expect nowadays. Does, does Joker uh, leave anybody to their own devices in this? Does Joker leave anyone to their own devices? <laughs> I just feel like that's old comic book talk and if he's saying curses he might as well be saying i'll leave you to your own devices <laughs> well know? he was stuck in his cell so he didn't get to yeah. to let anyone oh, uh, yeah. leave anyone to their own devices batman left yeah yeah batman that's left right his own devices in his cell yeah, yeah. so this, i thought that was pretty cool this is like the first illustration uh I, yeah i also think it's interesting because uh christopher nolan's arkham kind of looks relatively somewhat plain from the outside but it's also pretty true to this version where it's like it's a big instead of like a big haunted mansion type looking arkham that Mm -hmm. we're used to in the comics this is kind of just a very tall hospital not quite like a regular hospital looking but somewhat of almost more of like a condominium as opposed to a mansion type of look it doesn't Uh, yeah yeah. it doesn't look sinister in any way Mm -hmm. also interesting Uh, despite hospital at first Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't called Arkham Asylum until later. So mm-hmm. um, uh, Arkham Asylum first appeared in another O'Neill story the following year, but it was not until 1979 that Arkham Asylum completely replaced Arkham Hospital and the occasional Arkham Sanitarium as the institution's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess it took about five years to really catch on to be Arkham Asylum, which I prefer anyways because I like that alliteration. Uh, mm-hmm. It does roll off the tongue a little bit easier. So also in 1979, the move to have the asylum closer to Gotham had begun. That was completed in 1980 when Batman number 326 by Len, is it Ween, Ben? Len Ween? Len Ween, yeah. Len Ween uh, described the asylum's location deep in the suburbs of Gotham City. It is perhaps for this reason that Batman number 326 is listed in some histories as the first appearance of Arkham Asylum. It was also Ween who, in 1985's Who's Who, the definitive dictionary of the DC Universe, number one, created its current backstory. So this 
is the issue that is uh, most commonly referred to as Arkham Asylum's first appearance, but that is incorrect. So we'll, mm. I did want to include it in here because of the uh, cool covers. This is the issue that comes right afterwards where Batman is in the asylum. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty neat, kind of a precursor Ooh. to um, last uh, the last Arkham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this little... Uh, I don't know if I have the exact storyline that goes along with it, but it is revealed that Professor Milo uh, is at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think someone is trying to kill Batman, as it says on the cover here. It's all these random people, but they are actually under the control of Professor Milo. And uh, I think that's related to Arkham later on. This picture right here, for those watching uh, YouTube, is actually the uh, DC, the definitive dictionary of the DC Universe number one uh, that front image there it's kind of like a big image of all the heroes but that's just like the half page where aquaman's there but it was in this issue that uh, arkham's backstory was created so some interesting histories there uh but still this is arkham's first appearance as far as arkham hospital and then back in uh, uh you know going into 1979 is when it changed to arkham asylum and this issue from 1980 is what is uh mistakenly referred to as its first appearance but still very cool. I And Professor Milo, I never realized, was a character that came before the animated series. Mm-hmm. I always kind of remembered him from the animated series, but I never remember reading him in any of the comics. So Yeah, he's been, in, interesting. He's been in a few from the Silver Age as well. He's kind of a lesser known mad scientist, mm-hmm. not as much as Hugo Strange. And also not as cool looking. You know, Strange has a very no, iconic very, look. very bad haircut. He has... <laughs> He is the bull haircut. <laughs> but I got to say, Professor Milo looks more like an incel. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And therefore, and therefore mad more at the realistic. world. I think Hugo Strange has gotten laid before and has less of an excuse to be angry. Strange is a lot more Possibly. ripped in different versions. Yeah, <laughs> I believe That's right. Professor Milo's madness more, I think, maybe. Definitely, yeah. Just he definitely looks look. like a little... Looks like a little twerp, so I could mm-hmm. definitely imagine him being uh, a little piece of shit. So okay. there you go. Those are our our beginnings of Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. And then we move on to, of course, uh, Arkham being demolished. So Arkham Asylum has been demolished or destroyed several times in its history, notably during the events of Batman The Last Arkham. It is also seriously damaged at the beginning of the Nightfall storyline when Bane uses stolen munitions to blow up the facility and release all the patients. After these events, the asylum is relocated to a large mansion known as Mercy Mansion. (laughs) So I just included some images here Mm -hmm. from Batman, uh, you know, Nightfall and getting into No Man's Land as we'll talk about that as well. There's also another one where Ra's al Ghul breaks them out called uh, Resurrection Night, which kind of is the precursor to uh, Bane doing that, as well as what happens in Batman Begins, where they break yeah. everybody out, too. So uh, this mm. whole thing of, like, break everyone out of the asylum type of thing yeah. happens a lot of the times in it, but definitely started sometime <laughs> in, like, 80s and 90s. Cool. Yeah, if they don't break out on their own, then someone else is going <laughs> to help break them out. So right. Arkham security is just, uh, you know, not up to snuff, as we all know. And this image in the center is Mercy Mansion that was later converted into the new Arkham Asylum, which I feel like uh, holds more of the visual allure that the like Arkham we all like think of in our heads does, this mm-hmm. kind of gothic architecture. Mm-hmm. That's the first time it looked um, like this with the gothic look? Yeah. Was this issue? Yes, with it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Let's see. I don't have the number for the issue itself. This is right after No Man's Land, or uh, right after the Nightfall storyline. Um, I remember I reading about the fact that Jeremiah Arkham was wandering around the island and had stumbled upon Mercy Mansion that was abandoned and petitioned to have the asylum, the new asylum move there after it was mm. destroyed. This artwork on the cover here, this is photorealistic paint? Yes, yeah, both of them are paintings. And I can't read the artist's name from here. It's, I should have wrote it down because I knew you Grant would ask. Buckingham, Campanella. I don't think that's either one of them. It started uh, with a P, but I know I should have been prepared because Andrew would have asked about who the artist was. Because <laughs> uh, I did have to find it. He did the artwork for both covers. Uh, for Shadow of the Bat there. But not just, necessarily uh, interior. No. Yeah, it's not. It's just not art you'd see that often, I feel like. It's pretty mm-hmm. photorealistic and not in an Alex Ross. Well, kind of Alex Ross. Kind of, yeah, I agree. The yeah. one to the right I was thinking was Alex Ross the first couple of times I saw it. For some yeah. reason, they look a little more photorealistic. Now, the one in the uh, first image is like a super close-up on the Joker, he looks just a little bit more exaggerated than what I would expect and a little more painterly. But, uh, yeah, I love these covers. Uh, I think they illustrate like Arkham as we all know it today yeah. with uh, just the inmates running the asylum from the inside. Looks a little so, different uh, from the uh, standard Alex Ross Joker in a way. A little more, yes. a little more traditional on that. I did yeah, have, a little more comic book. Yeah, I did have the Shadow of the Bat cover, <clears throat> the one on the left, as like a printout. Mm-hmm in my room uh, for a while. So I never knew until growing up later and reading the Road to No Man's Land stuff that that was an actual comic book cover. I just thought it was somebody's, like, random art on that. So, uh. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love Shadow of the Bat. Uh, That's one of my favorite, like, Batman lines. I guess, Mm -hmm. like, the ones that are outside of, like, Batman and DC Comics are my favorite um, title. So I have uh, a lot of those. Yeah, Shadow of the Bat... uh, Definitely one of my favorites, and uh, I think there was one more that had Shadow in the title, but I can't think about it right now. But yes, those, that's one of my favorite uh, titles for Batman, for whatever reason. I always like the cover, the artwork on the cover, and uh, a lot of them are like one-offs, mm-hmm. if I can remember correctly. Yeah, unless they tied into like the main, main storylines, like No Man's Land. Yeah. So at the beginning of No Man's Land, uh, the asylum is closed down and all of its patients discharged. In this instance, the timer was used to open the doors two minutes before the city is sealed. Uh, as you know, we all talked about that whenever we went over No Man's Land. But that's what I imagine whenever I see that cover to the right is him like letting all the uh, inmates out. So um, mm-hmm. I think it, that's that was one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah, you can kind of sympathize with that choice because... You know, just to recap what happens on that, Gotham's been hit by the earthquake, government's going to abandon it, and Jeremiah Arkham has the choice, do I keep all of them in the asylum, even though resources are depleting and they just all starve to death? Or do I let them out, even though that means that it's going to endanger everybody who's around them? So it's a a hell of a dilemma. You can kind of understand why he does what he does on it. But uh, yeah, he tries to make them promise that they're not going to go into the city and... Obviously, nobody nobody fulfills the Fingers promise. crossed behind my back, yes. <laughs> it's like, Joker, please don't try to kill people. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, it's interesting the way that Jeremiah is uh, portrayed here as he is... At, compared to how he is later, mm-hmm. as we'll talk about um, his, how his personality changes, where it's like, you know, the, 
I don't think the later Jeremiah would care enough to let them all out. But yes, no. you got to empathize with them a little bit. They are people still, some of mm-hmm. them. <laughs> so this is orchestrated by the administrator himself, as we said, Dr. Jeremiah Arkham, the nephew of Amadeus Arkham, who had the choice of discharging the patients or watching them all starve or kill each other. So yes, it was a, a dilemma uh, that I guess he made the right choice so he could keep getting stories with these characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the middle of the story, it is revealed during the prodi- uh, prodigal storyline that Batman has established a hidden base within the sub-basement of the asylum known as the Northwest Batcave, but it was blown up by Black Mass during the Battle for the Cow story arc. And that, I think, leads into uh, the Arkham video games with Batman having that uh, Batcave under Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I've never been sure about that. The idea of him having a Batcave in the Asylum, I'm just like, that's a little little dangerous, Bruce. Yeah, I guess so. It's, uh, I mean, it makes sense for the video game. So you have access to it and can get some more tech and things like that. But I don't know. I can kind of see it happening, as we saw in the No Man's Land. He had a lot of other, like, mm-hmm. you know, smaller bat caves positioned throughout the city. And I can kind of see Batman doing that. I feel like that was in a Brave and the Bold story, or a Brave and the Bold uh, episode, where he just, like, had random bat caves around the city, and he just, like, jumped into a bus stop, and it, like, went in the <laughs> elevator, like, went down into the bat cave. So mm-hmm. I can kind of see that. Yeah, I could see it being on the island, but in the asylum itself, I'm just like, you don't know when Joker's going to like find something like that when he's wandering around, and then he's ha- he's basically in your computer. Yeah, it's supposed yeah, to be I the main on which cave version. in the game. It's the no. main one. I think it's, it's a like satellite a, one. It's a satellite one. Right? Well, the main one yeah. in, in the game, in terms of like that's your only access to the Pat Cave yeah. in that game. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh yeah. Okay. It's yeah, just not so the one that's under his house. I mean, yeah, I always tried cool. to use the grappling gun to try to get across the river to Gotham City and just never yeah. worked. Yeah. It's true. And they fulfilled the promise of that dream in the next one, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now we move on to, uh, not quite yet, but a new Arkham. So a new one after uh, Mercy Manor. The reason I did include this picture in here and uh, I had forgotten about it was it's actually the uh, page for Arkham Asylum from the batman visual dictionary that i loved so much as a kid and i included it because it had a lot of illustrations from no man's land Mm -hmm. uh so i i know that that one illustration in the kind of upper right hand corner with the villains all around jeremiah that is from that exact story where they're like oh yeah let us out we won't do anything bad and and here they go you got poison ivy and mr freeze and mad hatter and everybody's just shuffling off and he's watching them leave so Mm -hmm. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to include that because I did like that visual. And for the life of me, I could not find those pictures anywhere else online. But uh, as much as I like the shadow of the back covers, I do think that they had some great artwork on the inside as well. Mm -hmm. I also think that No Man's Land was like the latest big story arc at the time. So that's why Mm -hmm. there was so much tie-in when he got to these. And, you know, I, I got familiar with this before reading the comic. Right, me too. Yeah, when I got the Batman Visual Dictionary... I was really only familiar with the films, the animated series, and maybe like one or two comics that I had gotten throughout the years. But once I got this visual dictionary, I was like, oh, man, I got to start like finding where these comics are. Like, I think that's the first time I found out that the Joker was the Red Hood beforehand, because I was like, who the hell is the Red Hood? And I had no idea that. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea about that. So that kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, inspired me to check out more of the comics. So I'm glad I, I got it. 
So, a new Arkham, uh, another new Arkham, as it were. So it happened to every every Jesus. couple years, yes. <laughs> well, that, I did like this picture. It was a cool little like uh, some Tumblr art of Jeremiah Arkham. Uh, Jeremiah Arkham. There isn't a whole lot of artwork for him, so I just mm-hmm. thought it'd be a cool original piece. Uh, so, in the battle for the cow one shot, Doctor Jeremiah Arkham wanders among the remains of the asylum as he muses on his life. He reveals that he has discovered blueprints created by his uncle, Dr. Amadeus Arkham, for a new Arkham Asylum. He also contemplates the fates of his own non-violent special patients, an artist with no facial features who must paint facial expressions onto his almost blank face to express himself, a man obsessed with his own reflection in a series of mirrors in his room, and a woman supposedly so ugly one glance at her face would cause anyone to become mentally ill. So I thought it was kind of weird, these special patients that I had never heard of. Uh, so here's some imagery down, uh, I think the bottom, not the bottom, excuse me, the far right, that is where we can see the artist with the almost blank face, mm. uh, the woman who's so ugly that we don't get to see her face there. I think she's got a bag on her head. And then they don't, I couldn't find an image of the guy with the mirrors. Uh, maybe he's walking with them. Just kind of like a weird thing that they came up with, I guess. But I did like these illustrations of, uh, we got Humpty Dumpty and Victor Zaz and mm-hmm. Scarecrow and Poison Ivy, Killer Croc, Clayface, all that stuff. I actually remember reading this issue because uh, Victor Zaz is talking to him. And I think he's saying that. Whenever he kills him, he's going to make a tally mark on the inside of his eyelids so that... Oh, that's what that's for. It'll yeah. be... Yeah, it'll constantly irritate him, like, every time he blinks <laughs> and he'll remember it. So, oh, my God. Yeah, just some weird shit. So, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Oh, that's, um, that's a bit much. That's a little much, <laughs> yes, Victor. Definitely. Upon discovering his special patients, unharmed from the destruction thanks to their secluded cells... Arkham resolves to rebuild the facility according to his ancestor's vision, but to serve as a literal asylum for mentally ill patients in order to shelter them from the outside world. However, when told to be happy with the new development, the artist secretly paints his face white with a hideous grin, reminiscent of the Joker. It is implied that these special patients, as well as Arkham himself, have given in to mental illness. Da-da-dum. I mean, that's mm. what's bound to happen when you're running Arkham Asylum, I would think. That's why we have so many staff members who become villains. Yeah, you know, I know in Grant Morrison's comic, it talks a little bit more about the history of Arkham itself and the possibility that it is haunted. But mm-hmm. I just feel like a place like that, even though they are rebuilding it and it's constantly in different locations, it's just got some bad juju in it. I don't know. Just there's always like bad people there. It's like bad energy. I feel like being around that all day would definitely drive somebody crazy. Batman only has to deal with it when he's fighting them, but he doesn't have to live with them twenty four seven. That's true. Absolutely. He should pay. He should. The Wayne Foundation should should fund uh, Arkham employees a little more. Probably tie into our last episode. That's (laughs) right, Ben. You do talk about that, don't you? Oh shit. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, in that. terms of like, you know, just for well, anybody who hasn't checked that out, they can check out our episode on that where we covered a little bit of uh, what does Bruce do for mental health? <laughs> I think it was I think his money went more towards the security aspect of Arkham and less towards the salary of the people that work there. <laughs> um, so he's got to get his priorities straight, I think. I also think, though, that if um, there's 
you know, obviously there's holes in Arkham's security, but I think one of the best illustrations of why that is is in the Long Halloween movie where Joker escapes not because he paid off a guard, but because he threatened that guard's family. Where it's yeah. just like, you can pay the guards as much as you want, but these guys are still going to get under their skin in some way, regardless That's of very true. financial gain or anything like that. Yeah, Joker, he's rotten to the core. <laughs> Now we're going to step into Arkham Reborn. And I had some cool covers up here. This one's one of my favorites with uh, Jeremiah Arkham. It's like a lot of puzzle pieces and some of the pieces are missing and you can see uh, some other villains. There's like Joker's smile and part of his shirt and it looks like maybe Two-Face's eye uh, as well as like mm. a little bit of Scarecrow's hat and somebody's bow tie. I think it's just Joker's, but... I do like yeah. that, the puzzle pieces missing and it mm -hmm. being some of the asylum inmates underneath of uh, Jeremiah. You also have this cool artwork of Batman hanging on the fence. Uh, it's one of my favorite covers. I like it with the fall leaves and everything That's blowing true. around. It's uh, Batman's in cool colors. He's like very neutral, like teals and uh, turquoises. Uh, this fucking yeah. place. Exactly. In the background behind the fence is like, all uh, red and orange and yellow sky with like a moon with a skull in it. Yeah, I like the and, moon. Uh, yeah, then we, yeah. and then we have, then uh, we have black mask here. So we'll talk about that in so the Arkham this, Reborn. Quick, this, go ahead. This Jeremiah looks like a young, evil Stephen Hawking to me. You ever seen pictures of That's young Stephen Hawking? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. it has that kind of vibe to it. Get an older Eddie Redmayne to play the role. Something like that. Yeah. I wish that was a character that actually did show up in the movies at some point. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah Arkham. The closest we got is Dr. Burton in Batman Forever, but that's true. It that was more of a tribute to, to Tim Burton than anything else. So wait Sometimes a second. I've, yeah. Dr. Uh, Hugo Strange is above or below Jeremiah Arkham. Well, we'll talk about that. Okay. 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 I'll yeah. Let Zach go into that. Yeah, okay. yeah, we'll go into that actually in a little bit. So, uh, but oh. I'm glad you were thinking about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do think that. Yeah, I do think that Killian Murphy. Um, <laughs> sometimes, uh. like the way that he looks, reminds me of the way Jeremiah Arkham is Ooh. illustrated. I could see that in like No Man's that. Land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like he looks a little younger, higher cheekbones, kind of like pouty lips, and I'm like, man, he kind of looks like well, Scarecrow does in to Batman be fair, Begins. Jeremiah just kind of looks like Jonathan Crane. They both got like yes. the moppy brown hair and right. the glasses and the very like thin gaunt look <laughs> and they're nerdy and stuff. They pretty much have the same look. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting that it's, I just always notice that similarity. So uh, in the Arkham Reborn miniseries, Arkham Asylum is rebuilt and financed by Dr. Arkham. But in Batman number 697, Dr. Arkham is revealed to be the new black mask and is a patient in his own asylum. It was also revealed during Arkham Reborn that as both Dr. Arkham and Black Mask, he had begun to manipulate patients. A plotline that culminated in, in Detective Comics with Alice Sinner becoming the new head of the facility, but secretly working with Arkham slash Black Mask. It was also revealed that these special patients were figments of Arkham's imagination and never even existed. Wait, so the artist... Boom from before doesn't exist the woman with the face that they don't exist none of them none of his special <laughs> patients that he was so uh concerned about actually existed so all in his head 
I never liked the idea that he was the new Black Mask. I just me neither thought he it would have been cooler if he was like his own Arkham supervillain, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, he's just taking over from Sionis's thing, and I'm just like, eh, yeah. Like, why Black Mask? It yeah. Like why? Need yeah. Why don't mask. you just choose anybody at random? Yeah. That's like, probably yeah. They just wait. I guess Catwoman. She killed Roman Sionis. Is that right? Yeah. She kills. She kills the original Black Mask, who's all about like masks and identities, and formed his own cult, and yeah. then became a mob boss. But Arkham's not really connected to any of that type of stuff. He could have just been his mm. own thing i feel like they just got lazy and they're just like eh just make them another black mask we don't want to create a new thing but i think it would be cooler yeah. if they did this is one of those new storylines that i'm not as big of a fan of because of that like it's fine but yeah i think you you could have made him his own character his own other identity mm-hmm. are there ever any kind of other hints at least of lovecraft stuff because obviously the name comes from there Ooh, that's a good question. Is there anything like that? I, I guess they would get into, um, unless he's public domain at this point, but they probably get into, um, you know, copyright, copyright shit. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. They, if they lean in it too hard. But they obviously can take a name, no problem. So I wonder if there's other things like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I couldn't find anything because I did look up like other Arkham links or other uh, Lovecraft links to Batman or Arkham. They're. They may be in like name only or um, like here's the Cthulhu, like titles of things. Cthulhu floor or uh, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> it, yeah, as far as artwork goes, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, nothing else that I know of as far as like okay. p- parts of his actual stories or anything like that. Like Jeremiah could have become a like Lovecraftian type villain or something. A, just a like, raging oh, racist, yeah. <laughs> much like Lovecraft <laughs> himself. Oh. He might be. That, I don't know that part, but <laughs> I didn't know that he Lovecraft was a let's just say a product of his time. We'll he probably wouldn't that. approve of Love Lovecraft. <laughs> excuse me. He probably wouldn't approve of Lovecraft Country, then, huh? They. That's why they address it in the first episode of that show. They address yeah. a, a little bit of that. Mm, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. It's, it's yeah, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. There's some meta, some dialogue in the beginning in the first episode that's kind of meta addressing that whole situation hmm. yeah yeah so just yeah, like cool. how mad hatter's off of alice in wonderland i'm like you could have yeah. jeremiah going off of like a tulu type stuff you know something uh, like that as a villain yeah definitely cosmic horror kind of shit thrown into this somehow or That's, he's like just yeah. cosmic themed or something like that yeah you know, he doesn't yeah have yeah. to be cosmic himself especially if they kind of went with the uh, yeah if they went with the idea that like arkham is really haunted or if if he's Maybe he's haunted by his uncle's spirit and like he went crazy and was like writing stuff on the floor and shit. There's like mm-hmm. root ru- like runes in the original Arkham. Like the I runes, can kind of see yeah. something supernatural mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Huh. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. There we go. Our last uh thing that we're gonna talk about, which is getting close to just like current comic book storylines, uh, before we jump into the next section, is uh, Wayne Manor is the new Arkham and it is called Arkham Manor. So Mm. I think that's like pretty cool. This was actually one of my favorite newer storylines and I love the artwork in it as well. It's really cool colors, lots of oranges and blues. That's one big ass chin. That is. It's the chin of justice, (laughs) Andrew. He's been taking (laughs) steroids for that. The chin of just HDH (laughs) straight to my chin. <laughs> knocked out Joker just by just by flipping my chin up. God damn! 
So uh, <laughs> during justice. Ba- <laughs> <laughs> during Batman Eternal, Arkham Asylum is destroyed once again as part of the villain's assault on Batman. This happens with every Bruce. Year. <laughs> yes, it's a a, daily, a a yearly occurrence, an annual occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> With Bruce Wayne also being declared bankrupt after Wayne Enterprises loses most of its assets following Hush detonating some of Batman's hidden weapon caches uh, around the city. So Batman has to save him then, not Bruce Wayne. That's right. Mm-hmm. You see how exactly. that works? <laughs> yeah, this was an interesting play on that. As a result, Wayne Manor is repossessed by the city and turned into the new Arkham Asylum. But Bruce decides to accept the situation on the grounds that he can now keep a closer eye on his foes in the asylum due to his intimate knowledge of the manor's entrances and exits after sealing off the entrance to the Batcave from the manor, of course. And I believe in this storyline, Bruce Wayne disguises himself as a new inmate of Arkham so he can, like, be uh, in the asylum as well as like slinking, slinking off and being Batman as well. And I believe there is like a serial killer within the asylum walls that Batman's trying to track down. He's like, I just remember he reminded me of a spider, uh, but he has like these Buffalo Bill like goggles on from like the ends, the end of Silence of the Lambs. Like he just has these like big circular goggles. Yeah, he's like mm-hmm. always in the dark, but um, yeah, he's like a killer that's loose in the asylum, but he's like, hiding them in the walls of, you know, what is now Arkham Manor. So it's a pretty mm-hmm. cool storyline. I really enjoyed it. I think it makes sense for him to be doing undercover stuff if he's hunting for somebody who's killing people within uh, the asylum, because it, otherwise it just seems like, well, you, sure, you can yeah. all hang out in my childhood ancestral home, all the people I've put away, <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to pretend to be an inmate for shits and giggles. I'm just like, I like Batman being somewhat obsessed of crime fighting, but not that obsessed where he can't even come home anymore. He just lives in the Batcave that <laughs> is underneath where all his enemies are housed. I'm like, yeah, really, it's a little much. I like, I prefer a more balanced version. <laughs> it makes me think of that line in Mrs. Doubtfire when she's like at the pool with uh, her, well, Robin Williams' family and like the pierce brosnan character and she's just looking around she's like oh what am i doing this is beyond obsession that's what i can imagine like Bruce doing what am i doing here what am i doing here he's seeing humpty dumpty you know smearing shit on the walls and Jervis <laughs> tetch jerking off in a corner he's like this is too much i don't want to be here yeah mrs Delphire this, is, this told, is reality taught me that england was an island I was a kid and I thought only I thought islands were only tropical and I was like, Well, huh. fucking England's an island. You probably That's weren't the only point. person either yeah. who learned that yeah. from that. A lot of stuff, yeah. you know, we can learn from those types of movies. It was an educational And most of moment, it we bro. can learn from Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> taught us many things. Thank That's you, right. Robin Williams. <laughs> mm-hmm. So at this point I wanted to ask, what do you guys think so far? What is the most interesting thing? you have learned or since Ben knows so much about Batman has been reminded of. I guess I could go first. Um, go I first, not, Ben. I've not actually read this Arkham Manor storyline. I know it's a shocker, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> you haven't read every one ever? <laughs> Get out of here. I'm too busy rereading The Long Halloween for the 60th time for our upcoming episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, what oh, else did I miss? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is an interesting idea. I, again, uh, I would have to read it to see the execution because just the general idea just seems a li- way too much in terms of obsessive. I'm just like, hey, come yeah. on, let him go back home. 
go to sleep every night or so like recharge too much but the idea of him becoming another inmate in order to investigate what's going on in arkham is kind Mm -hmm. of a cool idea i like that uh on that but uh yeah it becoming his own arkham becoming um wayne manor is or the reverse really Mm -hmm. it's a little much but again i'll have to check it out i'll judge it when i when i read it yeah i recommend it andrew what do you Thanks so far. What's the most interesting thing you've learned? The newest thing? Uh, I mean, I knew of him from the games and shit, I guess, but Jeremiah Arkham, I want to know more about him now. Like, it's a family, it's obviously a family position, right? So he's growing mm-hmm. up yeah. through the generations. He's grown up around, you know, this kind of person. And um, I guess we can assume by the time it gets to Batman's age, Batman's time in Gotham, uh, it's gotten much worse. So. Uh, but I'm sure it was always not your normal upbringing, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's probably probably fucking whole issues about him, huh? I don't know. Yeah, well, a lot of the ones we're talking about that uh, center around Arkham, yes, he is like one of the main characters. And I do think like No Man's Land is one of the first times I really remember reading a lot about him, Jeremiah himself. I feel like, I might have had it in here, but I can't remember. I think uh, the last Arkham might be the first introduction to Jeremiah. It's the first introduction Is that right, to ben? him and Zaz, I believe. Yes, that's oh, right. At the same time. Yeah, so uh, okay. that was in the 90s. So, yeah, he's a fairly new character, but I do like him a lot. They just don't really yeah. show him in a lot of these others. They kind of just put someone else in there because they're just like, eh, Jeremiah yeah. Arkham, he's not anybody. It's cool. it's easier if we just plug Scarecrow in there for like Batman Begins yeah. or something. Like it, yep. it makes sense, you know? It's mainly his voice in the games, right? Am I wrong? You're yeah, thinking of Quincy Sharp. Oh, was, I can't remember. Well, anyway, um, yeah, Jeremiah is my answer for sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Jeremiah is curiously left absent from the Arkham Asylum games. They just talk about Amadeus, right? Yeah. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, I thought yeah, so. Yeah, well, it's Quincy. Well, at that point, Arkham is more of just a full-on penitentiary. <laughs> it's like, this is not a yes. hospital anymore. There's a uh, warden. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, I guess so. Uh, it kind of starts yeah. the line um, a lot more towards, this is just a flat-out, they are inmates who are here because they are prisoners, not here for necessarily mental yeah. help uh, on it. So yeah. that's, that's different <laughs> from from uh, the 90s comics that I prefer where it is like this lineage of Arkhams who are trying to help patients who aren't necessarily uh, being that open to being helped and how that kind of turns them mad too at the same time. Very true. Well, cool. Well, before we get to break, we are going to dive into some of the staff of Arkham Asylum. Oh, shit. All right. So we're actually going to talk about the warden. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I had this actually. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, cool yeah. It's like it's like a little like replica prop from I guess it's the Arkham games. Uh, but yes, I do like that logo. I think that's pretty cool. The two A's. Um, so we're going to talk about the wardens first. Now I know Ben just mentioned that as far as the title of warden. So I guess you could also see this as like what the head psychiatrist of Arkham or the. I don't know what what other term you would use for them if Chief it wasn't a warden. Something like that, yeah. Chief psychiatrist, yeah. So some of these first ones you could interpret it that way. Mm-hmm. And here they are. So the first <laughs> one we're going to look at is Dr. Amadeus Arkham himself, the founder of the asylum. Amadeus named the institution 
after his his deceased mother Elizabeth Arkham, uh, who I think it is, excuse me, implied that she had schizophrenia uh, or something like that in the uh, mm-hmm. Grant Morrison Arkham Asylum graphic novel. He's pretty messed up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I now I'm trying to remember because I did not put this in my notes, but I do believe that like the uh, for Arkham Asylum itself, like one of his first patients was this guy called Mad Dog, mm-hmm. Mad Dog something, and he ended up like I guess escaping and murdering uh, Amadeus Arkham's wife and daughter. Yeah. So after he got him back into the asylum. I think he was still trying to treat him, but then he let his like kind of murderous impulses and vengeance take over. And he used electroshock therapy to just murder uh, that particular individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's something I always remember about him in particular. That's Uh, from, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That I believe that is from the uh, serious house on a serious earth uh, graphic novel. Yeah. Yeah, With that artwork is very surreal. Yeah. Yes. That guy, uh, he did not like doing comics, right? He's didn't do much. Or I'm, I actually watched a couple videos on this uh, in a little bit of preparation preparation for this episode, and I think nice. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I had never heard that, but I only know of one other one that he's done. So it's, it's possible, possible, right? Yeah, it's another Grant Morrison collaboration. So yeah, it probably was a deal breaker that it had to be him. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that, I think he's really interesting, mm-hmm. and he ended up becoming an inmate of his own asylum uh, after murdering this uh, the Mad Dog character. Right, and then of course there is our favorite Doctor Jeremiah Arkham, the nephew of Amadeus Arkham. Jeremiah was the head of the asylum in current continuity until recently, in which he too became mentally unwell and became the second <laughs> Black Mask. Oh man, see a pattern here. Yeah. Now, I did include Quincy Sharp, uh, even though this is a history of Arkham in the comics. I know that Quincy first appeared in the video games, but there are tie-in comics to the video games, so I thought it was at least worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. So Quincy Sharp was the warden featured in the Batman Arkham games. He dedicated his life to curing Gotham City. However, he was also corrupt, as Sharp was cursed with a split personality that divided his mind between himself and a killer. And those of you fans at home, listeners and viewers, if you have beaten Arkham Asylum, the first game, we all know good and well that uh, Quincy Sharp believes himself to be like the spirit of Arkham. And that's like what you you hear his voice whenever you uh, scan the little like scrib. uh, What is it? The scribblings and the runes around Arkham, the hidden ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the little voice comes on. You scan it with like the little uh, detective mode scanner. This looks like a gray alien wearing a lab coat in the middle picture here. <laughs> that in the meant background. to be Batman. <laughs> no, that's actually background. Hugo oh. Strange. Oh, oh, in the background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I included that because I had Batman in a straight jacket. I like it. That looks like it was from that trading card uh, it was. series that came out. I yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I recognize that artwork. Yeah, the Batman Masterpieces book. I have that one as well. I, I love like cool. Batman's sickly green skin. I think it's like so... <laughs> Weird. It's just uh, unexpected. When I op- when I wide open too, looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he looks yeah. like um, like this other comic book series. I can't think of the name now, but it had a really intense looking guy on the front. I don't even know if it was DC or Marvel. I think it was like another label. Uh, Malibu Comics, bro. 
Probably. Maybe. <laughs> you're just like, Ugh. Oh, that's what shit. insane looks like. Uh, kind of constipated. So this uh, <laughs> last one we talk about is Dr. Hugo Strange himself. He was a brilliant psychiatrist who later came to Gotham City after deducing the true identity of the Batman. He later became chief psychiatrist and eventually warden of Arkham, uh, of Arkham Asylum. So we didn't talk much about the hierarchy there, uh, Andrew, but um, I'm assuming he was under Jeremiah Arkham before he became warden himself. Well, here's what's interesting. Here's here's my addition to that, Zach, is that okay. Hugo Strange, I don't believe, ever actually worked at Arkham in the comics. So is this straight from, like, the video game tie-in comics? I think specifically it starts in, lo and behold, this is one of the underrated contributions of it, but uh, the Batman animated series from 2004, the one with, uh, oh. where we watched the Batman versus Dracula, that had... Frank Gorshin does his voice. Frank Gorshin has the voice of Hugo Strange in that version, and he was the head of Arkham Asylum, and I think that kind of started this idea that he was, you know, in charge of Arkham, because I've read a, you know, a majority of the Hugo Strange comics before... 2004 when he premiered in that as the head psychiatrist of Arkham Asylum mm -hmm. and at no point does he ever actually work at Arkham. The closest we got is in Strange Apparitions where he starts that Grey Towers clinic but in reality right. he uses that to, to imprison Batman but it's not really you know it's not Arkham at the time um, Arkham was still relatively new at the time I think because uh, we're talking about the 70s on that but hmm. yeah so he does that there and then he you have Arkham City with him being in charge of all that stuff to reform yeah. the city. And then you have Gotham where he's in charge of Arkham Asylum as well there. So they kind of created this perception, but I can't actually find any comics, at least before like, the TV show started doing that. It's kind of like the Mandala effect, I guess. It, it just, is. Yeah. We, we made it happen by thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. This misconception, yeah. <laughs> right. But I'm I guess like, we could I relate it. actually did. Yeah, I guess we can relate it to maybe the tie-in comics for the Batman. So the Batman Strikes, mm -hmm. I'm sure, maybe had an issue or two featuring uh, Hugo Strange in Arkham. But mm -hmm. I do think this artwork is really cool. So, yeah. It is cool. I yeah. mean, it's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Well, then let's move on to the corrections officers. Of course, we have everybody's favorite, Aaron Cash. One of Arkham's most respected security guards, his hand was bitten off by Killer Croc, and he sports a prosthetic hook in its place. Unlike many of his oh, colleagues, yeah. Cash is neither mentally unwell nor corrupt and is a trusted ally of Batman. He's in the game as the, well. Oh yeah, of course. He's actually in a lot of media except for Batman the Animated Series. I don't know why they uh, left him out. Maybe they didn't want to explain why he had a hook for a hand. <laughs> when was uh, when was he created? Aaron Cash. I'm pretty sure, like he was. Well, I remember seeing him in No Man's Land, and maybe a little bit before then. Well, maybe no it started after. Still, yeah, No Man's Land is still post Betas, though. Okay, well, maybe that's why then he wasn't. He didn't exist yet. That would certainly make sense. What was his scene in the game, Aaron Cash? He's in a couple scenes. I think he just helps Batman every now and then. He's like, you know, sometimes yeah. you have to save Arkham staff members. I think I think I, think I mm -hmm. vaguely remember this. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And he's with he's with somebody else, like another guard or something. It's Probably. not just him solo. A couple right? times, yeah, yeah. It's been a little while since I played it. I can't remember, but he does make a couple of appearances in all three of the games. I know. The main takeaway from that game I remember was just 
you kind of just took down the boss in the same way every time. The first one in particular, that was like the biggest judgment call for or the biggest. Oh, in Arkham Asylum game, but obviously that was it was still good no matter what. Jump around on the ceilings, do a sneak attack, take yes. down, boom. Jump on the guy's back, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's still a good game. Yeah, yeah it was still, still it. good. It was the first of its kind for superheroes for sure. Yeah. To be to well, be then we have Frank Bowles. Frank Bowles is pictured in the middle here. Uh, he's a security guard who patrolled near the cell of Solomon Grundy. He was killed by the Emerald Empress. And I believe in the video game uh, Arkham Asylum, he was the one that let Joker loose because Joker bribed him. Oh, sure. I remember that name, Frank Bowles. Okay. Because I think you see him dead later when it's like the intensive security wing. Mm-hmm. He's like in the same hand cart that Joker was being led in on from the very beginning. So, yes, he was corrupt and he was killed in that game. But I think Frank Bowles, I do remember that name. Uh, So, piece of crap. And then Lyle Bolton, a former decorated (laughs) Arkham guard who was so ruthless in how he handled inmates that he was later fired and became lockup in order to continue Mm -hmm. arresting the criminals of Gotham. And Andrew, this ninja fellow here is lockup, and he started in Batman, the animated series, and then made his way to the comics. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So Beats yeah. has was not, didn't just make uh, Harley or Montoya. Oh no, or Montoya. But those are those yeah, are lock way up. more famous than Lockup. Yeah, Lockup. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like a Punisher type, but a little bit worse. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think he's more interested in actually like imprisoning these bad guys than he is killing them okay so, in which case he's just like batman what's your problem with me i'm trying to do that's true thing. it's the same same fucking thing then <laughs> <laughs> he just likes to be a little more abusive than batman or uh, i believe so it's just it is kind of weird i only does, break their arms lock up you break everything <laughs> he does not skip chess it's day got that gimp all. outfit <laughs> never has never will <laughs> Oh, shit, man. Well, those are our most famous correction officers. And then lastly, we will talk about the psychiatrist of mm. Arkham Asylum, the most well-known ones. So, of course, we are going to start with Dr. Joan Leland. Mm. Once a colleague of Harleen Quinzel, Dr. Leland soon became her therapist, along with treating other known patients such as Jonathan Crane and Harvey Dent. And she is pictured up here to the uh, upper left-hand corner. She also comes from Batman the Animated Series. Oh, shit. One of the few uh, psychiatrists who was not, uh, you know, corrupted later on. There's got to be at least one. At least one, yes. Yeah. Got to keep the place running. (laughs) And then we have Dr. Ann Carver. She was a psychiatrist who was murdered at the hands of Jane Doe. She stole her identity and took her role and hoped to extort Warren White out of millions and steal his identity. So that's the uh, African-American woman pictured in the middle here. It's Dr. Ann Carver, who uh, I think she doesn't actually appear live and in person throughout that storyline. And we'll, I believe that's the storyline we're going to talk about later if it mentioned Warren White. So that might be Jay Do- Jay, excuse me, Jane Doe disguised as her even mm-hmm. in this uh, panel here. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Jane Doe is, Andrew? 
That always reminds me of the metal band Converge's famous album, Jane Doe. But I do not know who that is in the comics. I know it's that's okay. John she's Doe, pretty obviously. obscure. She's yeah. pretty obscure. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. pretty obscure. She's like this serial serial killer uh, woman who has like no skin. She okay. looks like this an, a muscular anatomy like uh, I guess medical illustration, but she um, she takes the skin of people and like puts it on and takes over their identity. That's pretty much like her gimmick. Okay, so I don't know she how she managed to do, manages to do that with other body types. So she has no fingerprints, which means she's unknown to the whatever coroner or whatever the fuck FBI. So she's a Jane Doe in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. She just looks like a skinless woman, kind of like uh, kind of like Hellraiser, too. Yeah. Just like I don't know how she's not disgusting all the time. She kind of is like Clayface if Clayface didn't have the morphing powers and just flat out killed his victims and took their skin. Yeah, very creepy. <laughs> that is pretty creepy. That's yeah. pretty creepy for sure. Definitely a more modern uh, character installation into the Batman lore mm-hmm. to be that dark. Yeah. And then we have Doctor Alice Sinner with a last name like that. I wonder if she'll be corrupt. <laughs> Chosen <laughs> by Sin- Jeremiah Sinner. Arkham. <laughs> Sound, I don't know. Alice Sinner sounds like a, a stripper name or something to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the way it's spelled, <laughs> especially. Musician. Yes, I mean, she was a lot chosen of by Batman. Characters sound like stripper names. I mean, <laughs> Poison Ivy. That's true. I don't know. There's it can it can yeah. go either way. Very true. I'll have to look into that one day, Ben. Another episode idea. <laughs> Batman characters whose name are also strippers. I've loved this research for this episode. <laughs> so, Doctor Alice Center was chosen by Jeremiah Arkham as his second in command and briefly committed under Arkham's orders. Sinner became head of the asylum after Arkham was revealed as a black mask. She is secretly a member of Intergang's Church of Crime, working with Black Mask. She has shoulder-length, ha- uh, shoulder-length brown hair wrapped in red ribbons with sins written on the inside. And that is the woman pictured to the far right over there of Black Mask. Sins, so like, I lied to my mom today. <laughs> I, I guess so. coveted somebody that wasn't my wife. Pooped in the sandbox, covered yeah. it up. You know, well, she is like holding that. what looks like a ribbon in the visual oh, that greed. you have here. That says, yeah, that says greed on there. Oh, so seven guess, deadly sins. She only has seven ribbons. She seems to have, she seems to have a lot more though. Maybe it's long Three, ones that are two, just wrapped four, around. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. She has twelve. What other sins hmm. does she have? Alice. She's making up new ones as she goes. Ma- <laughs> twelve. <laughs> she has twelve. The twelve sins. She's got a couple extra, man. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she has a few repeats. <laughs> yeah. She has agreed well, twice. After Alice Center, we have perhaps the most popular and well-known former psychiatrist of Arkham Asylum, and that is Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Mm-hmm. A former psychiatric intern, Quinzel was seduced by the Joker and adopted the supervillain name Harley Quinn. Have any of our viewers or listeners heard of this character before? <laughs> I don't think this, person, this character is not showing up that much. It's pretty obscure. Pretty obscure yeah. one. Huh? Kind of like one of those one-off characters. Yeah. Someday they'll have a, a you know an A-list actress play her and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. First with a crappy movie, then with a pretty good <laughs> reboot-ish. Pretty good sequel. one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then we have Doctor Jonathan Crane. 
I a former him. psychologist who performed fear-inducing <laughs> experiments on his patients before becoming a career criminal and taking on the alias Scarecrow. Now, this one to the far right is actually from the Batman Begins comic book adaptation. So, okay, yeah, I don't know if I don't think Dr. Jonathan Crane was ever actually a psychiatrist at Arkham until after Batman Begins, and right. then I think it was incorporated into the comic book lore uh, in various storylines. The art for the 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 image on the right seems like they took some liberties with the look of Jonathan Crane. If this is the or some adaptation of it, I do have the adaptation of Batman Begins, but I don't remember him looking like this. I thought it was. Good. Maybe it's maybe it's another adaptation, but he certainly does kind of look like yeah. a more gaunt Killian Murphy with a flock of seagulls haircut or like yeah, and the cure or something different. like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, He's I thought it was pretty a cool. College professor, right? Crane? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so him being part of Art uh yeah, Arkham, right, and begins, that's just that was new at that time. That's a Nolan mm-hmm. thing. But it, it makes yeah. sense for that to streamline that for the right, movie. Right, right. Oh yeah. Okay. All yeah. I could think of was there. So if you get the Batman special edition DVD, you can look at like this. They have like character bios and they have one for Jonathan Crane. And it was a very vague like transition between getting fired from working at Gotham University <laughs> to being a head psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum. <laughs> and I was like, uh, how did this happen? <laughs> uh, the, the comics. You know, it even. Yeah. He fires a gun in class in the comics, and that's why yeah. he gets fired. So just like, oh, that's the perfect guy to run our insane asylum over here in Gotham City. Yes. I mean, if Jeremiah Arkham is doing the hiring, and he's not <laughs> mentally sound himself. That's true. It's not unbelievable. You seem perfect entirely. for this job. Yeah. You fired yeah, a gun in class. I like your classes. <laughs> perfect. It is really... It is really weird because it was in the bio, the whole thing about him firing a gun off in class and getting fired. And I was like, how did this happen? So <laughs> I think the bio that was interesting. They're trying to just mash up the comic book stuff with what was going on yeah. at the same time. So that's how that came about. But I don't think that's what they intended when the Nolans put this in. I think it was just purely like, oh, he's this is where we're putting him because it makes more sense for our story to have him in charge of our. Oh, home. yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that edition. I think it's really cool. And mm-hmm. I do like this other illustration of Scarecrow with a, well, you know, Jonathan Crane sitting in the chair and the Scarecrow's, like, shadow on the wall. I just thought, that's kind of cool. He looks mm-hmm. like he could be a little psychiatrist there. Yeah. And then we have somebody who, for the life of me, I could not find a picture of. So I just put two pictures of Scarecrow up. There is a Dr. Ant Carly. He was a psychiatrist who was known for his dangerous testing with LSD and trying to get the patients to open their third eye. He was fired after a week, however, due to his testing being seen as unsafe. Did Morrison write that one? I don't know. I could not find any other information about this guy. I was like, I've never heard of him. He would write that. He would write shit like that, I feel like. I think so. It was just, it was, it was weird, but uh, couldn't find a picture of him. I want to know what he looked like. But okay. I think this is a good time to take an old-fashioned asylum break. Here at Chat of the Wild, our game club podcast, we have been using our lens of truth to do deep dives on the Legend of Zelda series, in order, covering one to two dungeons each episode. Our show also looks at Zelda-likes, such as Crusader of Senti, Golden Axe Warrior, and the bizarre journey of For the Frog the Bell Tolls. Join us right now as we play Ari and the Secret of Seasons, our first new release since Season 1. Or check out our past seasons, breaking down nearly 20 action-adventure titles. New episodes drop every Wednesday, here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. 
Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. And we're back, kiddies. I hope you enjoyed your recreational activity here at the asylum. <laughs> I well, did. did you enjoy it? Good. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. It was a nice walk around the yard. <laughs> Very good. Well, here at the top, I already wanted to correct myself. During the break, Benjamin has educated me. Uh, the reason Aaron Cash does not appear on BTAS at all is because he was not... Uh, he didn't appear in comics until... 2003, long after BTAS uh, ended. So it's hard to fault them for not having him appear in the show when he did not exist yet. <laughs> Indeed. He didn't appear because he kind of didn't exist yet. <laughs> That's right. I still should have included him. <laughs> he seems like, like I was saying, he seems like such an integral part to like Batman lore that I just assumed he had been around longer. So uh, such a cool character. And if there was anyone in the comment section trying to beat us to the punch on that, let this be a lesson <laughs> to you. Write your comment after you finish watching the video. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and they're not going to wait. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Killer Croc in this photo we have here on, for our YouTube, he looks like he watched too much Hulkamania. He's ripping his shirt off. <laughs> yeah, that I love Magic it. Mike. He's, He's about to say brother. Oh, yeah, that too, yeah. <laughs> I am a real American. He's got that music playing behind him. I love it. And then this other guy at the bottom uh, right looks like he fucking really loves the Ninja Turtles. That's supposed that to be is Riddler. Riddler, actually, which is the oh, weirdest yeah. version of it. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, look that's even recognizable Capullo. as Riddler. Oh, you know what? I do see now his fucking question mark head. Yeah, yep. but I can't, yeah, I can't yeah, blame yeah. you just because I'm just like... That's kind of a... Stu this is the whole, like, question mark in the, carved into the head type of thing that we talked yeah. about with Hush, where I'm just like, eh, let's not do that. I mean, if he's, just a wearing Kapula, a, a, right? if he's just wearing a mask, that's not even a domino mask, just a regular, what, bandana over his eyes kind of mm -hmm. deal, mm -hmm. and an orange fucking um, suit, it's it's hard to tell. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? The other guys, yeah. yes. Uh, pretty pretty easy to tell. Yeah. Plus, like... The, they did the whole like he's bald now in this panel at least. I'm just like Riddler's usually not bald, either. Like <laughs> not unless know, it's, it's the a... new adventures, yeah, yeah, or the uh, Harley Quinn show. But yeah. yeah, it was just kind of a weird reinvention for just a couple panels in um, New Fifty Two. It looks like there's yeah, like right. uh, who's with the white hand coming out right here on the right upper right ish area. Mm, that's a good question. I'm not sure who that's it's supposed like to be. Bunny. Maybe Solomon Grundy. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> we sure did hang on this one picture a lot. This I is a, it's a lot to lot to uh, unpack here. A lot, a lot to take in. Yeah. Well, this is Greg Capullo's, I think, first opportunity to draw a lot of the Archimed mates. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't think he. he I, don't, I did not read Court of Owls, so I don't know if he did that much. But I know this is like this the is, new Fifty Two. Yeah. Uh, like I remember Dick Grayson is disguised as Joker in this one. Yeah. So he looks very different than like how Capullo drew him. 
later on. I remember that. It was like a very weird looking Joker. But the reason I did throw this in here is because we are going to be discussing the most famous part of Arkham Asylum, I feel like, and that is the patients themselves. So I just tried to find a picture of them breaking out or, you know, getting up to their shenanigans as usual. Right. They break out every every other issue, don't they? Yeah, every Taco Tuesday, I feel like <laughs> they're breaking Taco out. Tuesday so every Taco Tuesday in Gotham. <laughs> yep. Always doing, they're always pulling some shit. So once a, once a week, there's a breakout. Once a year, there's destruction of the asylum. That's right. Right. Um, and then there's probably an administration change every couple months just because they just keep going insane and turning into super. Let a lot of turnaround on that place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't keep anybody working there. Nobody oh, wants man. to work anymore, Ben. Don't you understand? <laughs> it's not like back they'd in my day. In the, they'd probably rather be in the asylum considering we've got Harley Quinn, Hugo Strange, Scarecrow, Lockup. Everybody kind of yeah. just becomes part of it. That's right. It's like it has a power over them in some way. Oh, man. So, force. originally, yeah. Originally, Arkham Asylum was used only to house genuinely mentally ill patients, having no connection to Batman whatsoever. But over the course of the 1980s, a trend was established in having the majority of Batman's adversaries end up at Arkham. Who, who, who to thunk it? All of Batman's baddies are going to end up here. You know what bothered me is I have seen, and even when looking for artwork, Penguin was thrown in there sometimes. People were just putting Penguin in their artwork for Arkham inmates. And I was like, no, Penguin has never, even though I've seen him in some mainstream comics, little cameos, he mm. shouldn't be an Arkham. He's not insane. He's just weird looking, you know? It's just <laughs> I'd say it depends on their take on Penguin. I don't know. It just bothers me because he was always like a black gator or something like that. It just was like Penguin went to regular prison like Catwoman. You know, she shouldn't be in Arkham like some of these other characters. So I always thought it was interesting. Also, it became later on. They didn't exactly have to be mentally unwell. It could also house like the uh, super powered Batman villains like with special needs as mm -hmm. far as their location or environment. Mm -hmm. So like Mr. Freeze, Clayface, Poison Ivy, you know, they may not really be considered insane, but they are not regular criminals either. So they have to have like kind of special cells to house them. So Arkham Asylum is also featured in other DC comic book publications. Apart from the Batman comic book titles, in Alan Moore's run in Swamp Thing, the Floronic Man is detained there. As we can see here. And in uh, The Sandman by Neil Gaiman, Dr. Destiny escapes the asylum to wreak havoc on both the real and dream worlds. So I included some images for the uh, YouTube viewers of the Floronic Man and Dr. Destiny. The, Floron the Floronic Man, who is uh, originally Jason Woodrew, the character in Batman and Robin, that is the, excuse me, creator of Bane and also the unknowing creator of Poison Ivy, uh, played by John Glover, becomes this uh, other identity in the comics. So I think he's pretty interesting. Let's uh, give a shout out to the uh, DC show because mm -hmm. Fractured Effects made the Flonic Man for that show. I'm pretty sure I, I need to watch it. It's, it's been totally, it's the show's out. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I, I'm sure I can say that. So mm -hmm. yeah, check out our Flonic Man. And uh, it yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I really like it. I think he's he's cool looking. Uh, Doctor Destiny has looked different in many different interpretations. I picked this one because it was from the Sandman, and uh, mm-hmm. he's pretty he's pretty freaky looking. I don't want to like go into a back alley and see this guy. Uh, he kind of looks like a cross between Beetlejuice and the Penguin from Batman Returns, just in a trench coat. He just looks really <laughs> weird, and just a trench coat too. By the way, yeah, it looks like it's nothing underneath. He's bare-legged yeah. under there, so yeah, I don't want to know what else is, is dangling down there. So <laughs> it's he's pretty freaky. It's a pretty horrifying issue of Sandman as well. This is oh, a yeah? great image, though. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. He does look fucking nuts. <laughs> he's a pretty scary character in the uh, Justice League Unlimited episode as well. Yeah, I do think too. he's he is like a scary character himself. Like it's one that I never had a lot of familiarity with. Uh, until that episode and i thought like oh man he's really powerful and scary it's kind of like freddy krueger so uh yeah it is pretty neat mm-hmm. so uh, arkham has also been featured in varying capacities in a number of dc miniseries events such as crisis on infinite earths identity crisis day of vengeance and countdown to final crisis among others so without further ado here are the many DC Comics characters who have been patients at Arkham Asylum. Oh, there was no way like I could put a picture for everybody. <laughs> it's like, how so long I... are we doing this, man? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be funnier if I just read them off and had this interrupted transmission Joker uh, symbol here. Oh. So, here we go. Oh, Alberto Falcone, mm. Amadeus Arkham, Black Mask, Blockbuster, Calendar Man, Clayface, as in Basil Carlo, Matt Hagen, Preston Payne, and Sandra Fuller. All Crazy them. Quilt. Oh, yeah. Crazy Quilt. Crazy Quilt. Deadshot. It's in the name. Crazy Doctor Quilt. Dub- That's yeah. right. Dr. Double quilt. X. Dr. Phosphorus. Firefly. The Great White Shark. Harley Quinn. Hugo Strange. Humpty Dumpty. Jeremiah Arkham. The Joker. Killer Croc. King Tut. Lockup. Mad Hatter. Magpie, Maxi Zeus, Mr. Freeze, the Music Meister, <laughs> yes, Nocturna, Poison Ivy, <laughs> Professor Milo, Professor Pig, Prometheus, Ra's al Ghul, committed as Terry Jean, Case, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Riddler, Scarecrow, Signal Man, Tally Man, Two Face, Vanity, Ventriloquist, Victor Zaz, Adam Strange. Only in the DC New Frontier version of the DC Universe. Mm. Ambush Bug, Amygdala, <laughs> Brainwave, Cheetah, Condiment King, Dr. Destiny. <laughs> Fucking Condiment DC King. DC writer and... He's so crazy. He mixed mayonnaise <laughs> with ketchup. <laughs> but you can't cut the mustard. <laughs> <laughs> that or Harley Quinn. I feel like all those jokes are in the Harley Quinn show. Dr. Destiny. DC writer and artist Doug Mensch and Norm Brayfogle do make (laughs) a cameo appearance in in Arkham Asylum. That's awesome, actually. (laughs) I could not find exactly what issue or what story this is from, but they are listed as Arkham inmates. So Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of funny. I like it when that happens, like, you know, like Hitchcock being in his own movies. That that can be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we also have Dummy, Egghead, (laughs) The Floronic Man. Humpty Woo! Dumpty, which I think we said that already. Uh, Gene Loring, Key, Cobra, Nightwing, committed as, I think that's Perot Lunaire. Was he going Professor, undercover? I think Probably. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Professor... I would like to read that. That's a cool issue. Sounds like. Yeah. Professor Ivo, Psycho Pirate, Resurrection Man, <laughs> Toy Man, <laughs> Vox, The Witch, and Zatanna. Zatanna? I think that Un- must have undercover? been from another storyline or <laughs> from something else. I just I just had a big list of all these Arkham inmates, and I thought, well, that's pretty cool that she was on there. It must have been from a particular story, maybe one of those Justice League dark things or Probably, I don't know, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. And those are the inmates of Arkham Asylum. I'm sure there's nice. some other non-criminal ones that uh, nobody really cares about, and they don't have names. But some legit mental health patients that are there. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> yeah. They're not in costumes or anything. They're not cool. <laughs> I'm just crazy. I don't know who these guys are. <laughs> I'm just eating bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just normal crazy man. Who are these guys? <laughs> These guys are really, really nuts. So now that we've talked about um, the Arkham staff and the Arkham inmates or patients, now we're going to talk about some specific graphic novels, excuse me, that delve a little bit further into Arkham itself or that take place in Arkham Asylum. The first of which is probably the most famous story featuring Arkham Asylum, and that is Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth. Hmm. Now, the artwork is so beautiful here that I, I just tried to include as many as possible for, for uh, some, uh, like, key frames. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, it's just, it's something that we will talk about after I go over this uh, that Andrew brought up earlier. Uh, but I think, to me, like, the artwork is uh, more memorable than the actual story itself. <clears throat> yeah. um, so in Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on a Serious Earth, It's a graphic novel written by Grant Morrison and painted by Dave McKean. It was published by DC in 1989, the year of our Lord and Savior, Michael (laughs) Keaton. That's true. That's true. It made reference to the treatment of several of the patients, (laughs) such as the attempt to wean Two-Face away from dependence on his coin for decision-making, first with a die and then a deck of tarot cards. It once again portrays the asylum as having been taken over by its patients. A Serious House on Serious Earth has been critically acclaimed, having been called one of the finest superhero books to ever grace a bookshelf. IGN ranked it as number four in a list of the 25 greatest Batman graphic novels behind The Killing Joke, The Dark Knight Returns, and Batman Year One. Um, so I will say, like, probably the most memorable part of it for me is the way that the Joker looks, number one. Mm-hmm. He is, like, horrifying, and I think that's surreal imagery just adds to it and i also really remember the part when two-face like it's described as they're trying to wean him off of using the coin but now he has too many ways to decide can't make a decision as i was saying that now two-face has like too many choices and can't decide anything and i remember the joker saying that two-face had pissed himself again because he couldn't make a decision to go to the bathroom which to me i'm already like what the hell two-face has to flip a coin to decide to go to the bathroom or not but Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty wild. So, um, mm-hmm. what are you what are you thoughts on this graphic novel? Starting with Ben, this is one that I think is memorable because of the art more so than the actual story. And I think this is one where it's more of a dream, more of a nightmare type of scenario than mm-hmm. 
what we ended up seeing in the video game, which is like more of a traditional extension of this, where it's Batman who is trapped in Arkham Asylum and has to sort of fight his way out type of thing, which is cool, a cool idea. This just kind of happens to be the one to do it. It could have possibly had something completely different in it, and we still mm-hmm. wouldn't be talking about this comic just because of the idea. Uh, oh, yeah. Comic, having that idea as part of that. So um, it's not my favorite on it simply because there's not i mean there's some cool elements in terms of the the history of arkham and even then that comes from the len ween stuff that was Mm -hmm. talked about the who's who uh but yeah i'm not a huge fan of the uh this version of two-face not being able to decide to go to the bathroom i kind of get like that's kind of their way to reimagine it but i'm like eh, i don't know and then also starts kind of weird with the ending which is kind of similar to my feelings about the ending of the killing joke of just Batman and Joker sort of just walking out there and Joker being like, there's always a place for you here. And that's the end. I'm like, yeah. it's kind of a weird way to uh, do it. And it, it just feels more like this is Bruce having a nightmare before he wakes mm-hmm. up as opposed to an actual storyline that tells us more about his character. I think it's uh, better interpreted that, that way as a dream yeah. or a nightmare than reality. Yeah, because you got other stuff in there where he, it seems like he kills Killer Croc, and then he also is like right. stabs a shard of glass right through his hand, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute, <laughs> this is a little different from usual, and different from Grant Morrison's other versions of the character. So I think it's better interpreted as it. It's you know I'm not saying that it's it's bad or anything. It's just, it's a cool experiment, but it's not mm-hmm. my favorite. What do you think, Andrew? I actually have read this one, everybody, and <gasps> it's been years though, so. I don't fucking remember everything about it. But yes, I agree. It's mainly, probably mainly famous for the art style. It comes out in 89. Obviously, it's a big Batman year. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a, a, probably a turn point year or whatever. A landmark year for the character in many ways, especially getting darker and darker and darker. So there is that. Um, Somehow, I don't remember how I found out about Grant Morrison. I know I always talk about him, but I just find him so interesting as a person and mm-hmm. him being in a ceremonial magic and his story about growing up, uh, you know, near the nuclear power plant and shit. So I think I started to read this fucking just from my interest in Grant Morrison as much as my interest in Batman, to believe it or not. Uh, and um, yeah, this is just one of those things that just kind of feels like, yeah, it, it made a big impact because of the year it came out and the art style, but. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but yeah, nothing really super, or or Zach, nothing really super, like, insane happens in the story, right? Like, nothing, I don't know. And they asked Grant Morrison once, I think I'm remembering this correctly, they asked him if it was if it was canon or not, and he said it's a dream within canon. So he kind of mm. had a, I don't know if you call it pretentious or what, but it was a little bit, um, you know, circuitous answer there. Yeah, nothing. I feel like nothing of consequence happens within the story, other than him appearing to have killed Killer Croc. It just, uh, yeah, it does seem like everything is very surreal and dreamlike, and mm. maybe that's really he confirmed it with saying that that it, it is, is out dream. of canon. It is, yeah, in and of itself, just this kind of one-off experiment, and that it is like part of Batman's dreams. So. I think it the artwork certainly fits that hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I also think it could have been had even more of an impact if it had some of Morrison's ideas that didn't make it into the comic. Because if you have the edition I'm holding up for those who 
uh, are looking at the YouTube version, uh, it has the original script in the background as well as some discussions about uh, what was going to be in there that they didn't allow. And one of those things was that Joker was going to be dressed up like Madonna the entire time. Yep. Joker was going yep, to be. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, he mentions that in uh, Super Gods or something. Morrison does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The closest you can see is that I believe you can still see that Joker's yeah. in high heels. He is in the comic, yeah. but it's like it's subtle compared to Joker was just going to be flat out dressed up like a, I think one of the Madonna music videos. I yeah. So mm-hmm. Morrison yeah. made a point in Super Gods about this, saying that whenever he had finally saw him in the nurse outfit in the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. He sort of felt vindicated because you finally see this cross-dressing <laughs> Joker, right. and he had that all along, and he mm-hmm. has very similar feelings for the Matrix because of his work on the Invisibles. But that's another story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it also was going to have Robin in a role, but for, I guess Dave McKean did not like the Robin outfit, the traditional Robin outfit, so oh, yeah. he would only draw Robin if he had the domino mask, but the rest of it was just him in a trench coat. Yeah. Now, that would have been interesting to see. Not my favorite version of it, but yeah. like just still would have been interesting as part of this. That's so, kind of just, kind of just lazy. Yeah, I think it's also just he, he's of the school of not liking Robin's role at all. Stuff, I guess so. so. Yeah, I I, this, my uh, cursory YouTube research confirms this, Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, he didn't like comics, and he's, he didn't like comics that much, I think, and he t- definitely didn't like Robin. <laughs> so, so robin was a bridge too far mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah yeah the creepiest thing i can think of for this whole book is uh clayface the clayface interpretation clayface which three, yeah. which i have down here yeah it's like instead of having this power where if he touches you you melt it's like he's this sick like little melting man that will infect you with a sickness if uh, he touches you and i do know that at the time people were thinking that this was supposed to be uh, like a metaphor for AIDS. So he has like a disease, and if he touches you, you get it. So it's just very, very weird. He's like one of the more repulsive mm-hmm. characters, I feel like, in the book. Yeah. Definitely. I remember. Well, moving on past Arkham section. Asylum. So that is, that's also another memorable moment. What's that? <laughs> I'm just saying the Clayface 3 moment is very memorable because of the, the freakiness of him trying to get to, to Batman and Batman yelling, don't touch me, as you see in the visuals. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nightmarish. Yeah. It looks so great. now we're going to talk about one of my absolute favorite Arkham stories, and that is Batman, the last Arkham, which, mm-hmm. as we discussed, is the very first appearance of Victor Zaz and Jeremiah Arkham. So these are some... Uh, some of the panels from the last Arkham, which I thought were kind of cool, that Victor illustrate Zaz the story. Has a strategically placed word balloon between his legs. <laughs> That's right. Oh man! He doesn't have too many tally marks on his back. I guess he can't reach that, huh? Oh yeah, I guess so. It's interesting. That man in the top uh, right center is Cornelius Sturk, mm. and he eats people's hearts. Oh my god. That's yeah. like his thing. So I think he's kind of interesting as this one-off character. Not a one-off character, but one that was like really like an obscure but prevalent one in the 90s. I feel like he was in other stories Indeed. after this. He would just pop up every now and then. Indeed. Yeah, he's really weird. But as we talk about this, uh, Batman The Last Arkham, 
was written by Alan Grant, pencils by Norm Brayfogle, and originally uh, a four-issue storyline that kicked off in Batman Shadow of the Bat. In it, the old Arkham Asylum is destroyed. Ta-da. To be replaced by a new and far more modern facility. The story introduces Jeremiah Arkham, the asylum's director and nephew of Amadeus Arkham, in an attempt to discover how criminals, uh, specifically Mr. Zaz, keep escaping, Batman has himself committed to the asylum. Jeremiah uses various methods, such as unleashing many patients on Batman at once, in an attempt to gain psychological insight on the vigilante. This story makes a few passing references to the events of a serious house on a serious earth, such as Amadeus Arkham taping over the mirror, and his journal is shown early in the story. Uh, Jeremiah also mentions his uh, relative's descent into mental illness. An episode of Batman the Animated Series titled Dreams and Darkness, also about Batman and Arkham, portrays a similar theme with Scarecrow as the chief villain, also replacing Jeremiah Arkham with a more nondescript administrator, Dr. Bartholomew, who is portrayed as naive rather than sinister. So have either of you read Batman The Last Arkham? I have because of I wanted to see the original version of Victor Zaz on this because I think so many different live action versions kind of have him as this witty hitman type. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, let's go back to this original, like, scary serial killer type. Yeah, thing. he's demented. He doesn't have a gimmick like the Joker. He doesn't have something he doesn't have the sense of humor that makes him likable like the joker who in, in terms of just like you kind of like him but also are scared of him at the same time this guy you're mm-hmm. just freaked out by him yeah uh, this entire time and i think it's really well done by alan grant on it and it's i can see how Bitez wanted to do a more very diluted version for the dreams and darkness episode yes i think zaz is actually named after a psychologist uh whose yeah, name is it's almost the same spelling i don't mm. think that that psychologist was, also, was bad in any way it just was like a name that they mm-hmm. thought was interesting the question's name is also charles zaz is it spelled the same though or does it start with a, a, an s at the beginning <laughs> instead of z yeah mm-hmm. this is weird yeah. i think it's it just must be an interesting name to them um mm-hmm. yeah this is one of my favorite storylines and in it is revealed, I think, that Victor Zaz had bribed one of the people that was working on the new asylum so that he had, like, he he knew uh, ways to get in and out of the asylum or he had had, like, a special little, like, entryway or compartment built to where he could come and go. Yeah, he can leave. Because Batman, mm-hmm. yeah, Batman couldn't figure out how he was murdering people outside of Arkham, so that's why he uh, gets himself committed so that he can figure it out from the inside. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely one of my favorites. I love the art, and I love the story. I think it's uh, it's pretty cool. Is is that supposed to be Zaz in the covers there? And then he gets just gets up. He looks like a druid in the top left. Yes, there. yeah, he's wrapped yeah. in his bed sheet. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> got it. It is out of context. <laughs> it does look a little funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like druid, and then boom! Here's my dick. <laughs> yep. So we're gonna move on to Arkham Asylum. Living Hell. This mm. is, uh, I, I would say it's right up there for me next to Batman The Last Arkham. This is one of my favorite Ooh. Arkham-centered storylines because I feel like it's an interesting insight into a normal man going into Arkham Asylum and being corrupted 
and driven insane by mm. the inmates as well as like just kind of seeing some of the corruption and then like day-to-day activity inside of Arkham. So it is interesting and there is a supernatural element to it as well. So Arkham Asylum Living Hell was written by Dan Slott, pencil by Ryan Sook with inks by Sook, Wade Von Grawbadger and Jim Royal. The series was edited by Valerie Di hold on Valerie Diorazio. Eric Powell created the painted cover art, which appeared on both the original series and graphic novel compilation. This and the ex- thumbnail. That's right, and this thumbnail right here with the, mm. the little goblins and ghoulies inside of Batman's cape. Mm. That is cool. Yeah, I love it. It's very uh, nightmarish. Uh, this six-issue miniseries and the subsequent trade paperback provided an intricate and multi-layered look at Arkham Asylum from several points of view. Director, Dr. Jeremiah Arkham. Psychiatrist, Dr. Ann Carver. The guards. Chief, uh, chiefly one Aaron Cash. And the patients. There is a particular focus on previously unknown residents, Jane Doe, a cipher who assumes the identities of those she kills, Junkyard Dog, a man obsessed with trash. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the trash man. I shouldn't be in this asylum. I should be in the more normal one. Yeah. (laughs) I just like trash a lot. (laughs) What am I doing here? (laughs) Why did you put him next to Zaz? Yeah, this guy's like cutting his eyelids, man. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have uh, Doodlebug, an artist who uses... Okay, he has a silly name, but... He uses blood in his paintings. The oh hulking bruiser, Lunkhead. Does he ever fight? Does Doodlebug fight Ambushbug? Does he fight who? Ambushbug. I don't know. Those <laughs> bugs, you got to keep them separated. Battle Royale. <laughs> then Blue Beetle comes to save the day, bro. That's right. Uh, the hulking bruiser, Lunkhead, Death Rattle, a cult leader who speaks to the dead, and Humpty Dumpty, an obese idiot savant obsessed with taking apart and repairing various objects. And I believe he is a spe- he's in the asylum specifically because after his grandmother died, he took her apart and put her back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of oh. Norman Bates-ish. So, um, yeah. Man. Okay. Yeah, he's pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. creepy in this particular storyline. Yeah, yeah. The driving force uh, behind the story is the recent admission of a ruthless investor, Warren the Great White Shark, White, as well as the demonic element suggested by the title. White, facing charges of massive fraud, pleads insanity to avoid being sent to prison, knowing he can bribe a Gotham jury. The judge sees through White's attempt to avoid prison and has White admitted to Arkham, which White himself has never even heard of up until that point. He soon realizes the horrors of the place and tries... Oh, yeah. He soon realizes (laughs) the horrors of the place and tries to survive. Ultimately... He is locked in Mr. Freeze's cell and loses his nose and his lips to frostbite while being trapped in there, coming to resemble his nickname. So, nice. pretty freaking weird. It yeah. is. It is. Um, <clears throat> this does make me somewhat curious about Arkham, and we could talk about this too towards the end, but how much yeah. influence or not influence there was of Arkham versus the Baltimore Psychiatric Hospital in the Hannibal Lecter franchise because mm. technically that happens after Arkham Asylum shows up in the 70s because uh, Thomas Harris comes up with Lecter in like the 80s or so. But mm-hmm. 
uh, it feels like it's around the same time as the 80s that Arkham becomes a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a place with some serious messed up people. I feel like it. Things get I feel like in uh, Sounds of the Lambs, that that uh, institution may have been inspired. Wasn't there like a real world uh, psychiatric institution that was discovered to just be abusing its patients that like Geraldo Rivera did like a special on it? I feel like in the uh, 70s and they like had video of it and it was just like a lot of them were just naked and like starving and running around and just it was like insanity. I feel Mm -hmm. like. Maybe it was inspired a little bit by that, too. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility here. But this part with... Uh, I'm bringing this up now because this part mm-hmm. with Warren White losing his nose type of thing also kind of reminds me of uh, Mason Verger's character in Hannibal. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, hmm, how much of a crossover is there? And then, of course, we got... We'll be covering the long Halloween, but you've also got the whole concept of the guy who's in the insane asylum, who's kind of helping the investigator sort of mm-hmm. thing, which is, of course, taken from Red Dragon and the Silence of the Lambs type stuff. I just think it's weird that he's, like, basically a completely sane man who's trying to beat the justice system and is sent to Arkham and, like, made into this character who becomes, like, a villain mm-hmm. later on, like, in the Batman series. But he's just, like, he's kind of just this this loser. Um, <laughs> he was originally referred to as Fish, uh, as the new inmates commonly are, but is sure. redubbed the Great White Shark by himself. Uh, the mnemonic threat is nullified after the sacrifice of several patients, thanks to the joint effort of Etrigan the Demon and Warren White tricking the demons into sending themselves back to the underworld. Uh, so there is some demonic supernatural activity, hence the name Living Hell, but I, I find the story involving Warren White to be like the most interesting part of this graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Have either of you read this, or uh, is it new to both of you? I've heard of this one. I have not read it in detail, though, but I know that's like the first appearances of a lot of these characters, whether whether it's Jane Doe or Aaron Cash mm-hmm. or Great White Shark. Yeah. I have cool. not read it. Yeah, well, I, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites. I like the interior, interior artwork, and the painted uh, cover is really cool, too. The Humpty Dumpty sounds pretty hardcore. That 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 piques, <laughs> piques my interest there. It's pretty creepy. It kind of reminds me of Twisted Metal Black or something like that. It's just uh, like really weird. Yeah. I think they're gonna finally make a movie of Twisted Metal, by the way. It's about time. Yep, it's about time. And then we they have. Had, uh, go well, ahead. They had Humpty Dumpty in Beware the Batman. Yes, I remember oh, that. Sure. But I they don't did think not he was do doing whole, that. <laughs> he was not taking people apart, though. Yeah, <laughs> probably not for that show. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> now we are going to talk about the uh, second Neil Gaiman and Dave McKean collaboration, a DC collaboration called Black uh, Orchid. So this also involves Arkham Asylum. Um, Black Orchid, uh, as I said, written by real, written by Neil Gaiman and illustrated by Dave McKean, also featured Arkham Asylum. The award-winning graphic novel introduced an updated version of the crime fighter Black Orchid, who dies, is reborn, and starts a quest to find her identity. During this, she encounters Batman, who directs her to Arkham Asylum, where she meets the Mad Hatter, Poison Ivy, Two-Face, and the Joker. Arkham is viewed as a desperate place where patients dwell in terror, much in the same fashion as a serious house on Serious Earth, mm-hmm. Serious Earth, which is also illustrated by McKean. Mm-hmm. That's all awesome. I have for it. <laughs> it looks great. Yeah, this is apparently released by Vertigo, too, so this is definitely outside of DC continuity. 
right? Yeah. That's what it's looking like from this photo here. I wonder how they got the rights to use these characters then. DC owns Vertigo, right? Oh, yeah. oh well, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's how Sandman is tied into the DC universe and stuff. But yeah, because of the fact that McKean is back on the art, this does look like a sequel to uh, Serious House and Serious Earth, even though it's Gaiman instead of Morrison on this. Listeners, yeah. I learned something today. DC owns Vertigo. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I got an education. <laughs> but yeah, I do like this. I found this uh, panel for Poison Ivy, and mm-hmm. I didn't specifically look up Two-Face and, and Joker. I Now I'm kind of interested to look into it to see if they look similar to how they did in Arkham Asylum. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it, it's kind of neat. That is like their collaboration again. And of course, like Dave McKean artwork is always... Uh, even though he may not like the way Robin looks, I, I always appreciate his artwork, and I think it's really mm, beautiful. Yeah. It's great. Is this? So you read this one, Zach? I right? have not. This is oh, something new that okay. I found out about, so I added it in here. You haven't uh, read this one, Ben? No. Nope. Okay, I wanted to see if uh, what the story was like, but all right, I'll check it out later, I guess. Yeah, I definitely will now that I've discovered it. Yeah, yeah mm. it looks cool. And then we have the uh, Batman, the Man Who Laughs. Um, this is a one-shot prestige format comic book written by Ed Brubaker and illustrated by Doug Mankey and Patrick Zercher. Released in February 2005, the comic reveals some of the asylum's dark history. As a reporter reports on the asylum's renovation, the Joker poisons her and her crew, stealing the news van to broadcast whenever he wants. He later releases criminally insane patients at Williams Medical Center, who in a short number of weeks, would have been transferred to Arkham Asylum. In the end, Joker is defeated, and he himself is locked behind bars in a straitjacket at Arkham. The graphic novel is reprinted with Detective Comics numbers 784 to 786, a storyline entitled Made of Wood, also written by Brubaker with art by Zercher. In the storyline, Batman and Green Lantern track the Made of Wood serial killer, whose killing spree was cut uh, short when he was admitted to Arkham. Ex-Commissioner James Gordon is also pursuing the killer, and he narrows the search down to the two men admitted to the, uh, to, excuse me, narrow the search down to the two men admitted to Arkham in December of 1948. The only living one hardly able to walk and ignorant of the killings, Gordon reaches the grandson of the other, who has taken up the Maid of Wood Killer's mantle. But really, our focus is on The Man Who Laughs here, which I have read, and uh, I do enjoy it. This came out 2005, so I was in high school, and this is when I was, like, deep into my comic book phase. Like, there was a local comic book store that I had, and I would go and dig back through the long boxes to find all these different things. And I remember this came out. I was super into the Joker, and I was so excited because, you know, I think this might have come out after Batman Begins. So it was like kind well, of ramp. It's around the time, yeah, because it's February. Yeah, so it was. That's right. So yeah, Batman begins. It's like all this Batman hype is building up, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like, all right, this is like some Joker origin stuff. It was. Yeah, I was really into it. It could go in the next movie. Yeah, but it to me it is really like a retelling of like the original okay. Joker first, like Batman number one, like Joker's antics within that storyline. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it is a cool retelling. I will say that. Uh, the artwork is not my favorite, but I do like this story a lot. I don't know. Something about it is a little too, like, uh, wrinkly or line. Like, Joker looks like he's got a ton of wrinkles or he's very detailed as far as the line work. It's it's not horrible, but it's just, it's not one mm. of my favorites. Mm. 
Kind of you saying that reminds me of like that artwork in the '90s that was like too many cross hatches or something like just all <laughs> oh, over yeah. the place. Like what? <laughs> like just don't make any fucking sense. Yeah, this is better than that though. But yeah, mm-hmm. I love the the font of for Batman here. <clears throat> also, kind of classic. Ooh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's still a really good story. I do enjoy it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Ben, have you read this? Oh, yeah. No, I have a similar story as well, where, like, Batman Begins is close to coming out. There's a comic book mm-hmm. shop that's that was close to the SAT classes that I was taking uh, at the time. And it was just like, oh, like, the man who laughs is coming out. I got to go on that <laughs> day where I'm going to SAT class during the break, go to the comic book shop, get this, pick this up. Uh, and I read it and just like, yeah, it's it's good, but it's it's kind of like let's just combine Batman number one with the promise that was at the end of year one where yeah. so the Joker was going to poison the water reservoir. So it's kind of just like, all right, it's, it's what you would expect of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not my favorite Joker story ever. It, it's kind of in this place because it's had like, it, it, it's a famous run that tells the story of how Batman first met Joker. Mm-hmm. But I, I do prefer, there's another one that Denny O'Neill did that was legends of the dark Knight number 50, where, it just st- sticks out to me all the time because Batman meets Joker and Joker pretends he's a hostage when he's with mobsters. Yep, and, I remember and, that. And Batman is just like, well, I'm just going to let the clown go because he's just a clown. He doesn't know who he just let go. Yeah. He doesn't know who this guy is. And I always thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. I do remember that one. That is good, too. Mm-hmm. I'm, Andrew, you have not read this one? No, I haven't read this one. That's all right. You don't have to. <laughs> it's not the best one. It's okay. Like it is a middle of the road one. It doesn't really break okay. any new ground. It's it's mm. interesting, but it's not one that I have like gone back and wanted to read again. I, I oh, have okay. it. I own this book, but it's just it's it's okay. It's, it's not, probably, you know, probably better off reading the actual first appearance of Joker, which the yeah. story retells anyway. So oh, right. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Except if you read the nineteen forty version, you got this whole feeling of like, oh, this is the very first time, as opposed to this one where it's just like, oh, it's just a retelling of this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just ramping up for the movie, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this is the one to read after you watch Batman Begins. And he's just mm-hmm. like, leaves a calling card. And he shows the Joker card. Then, yeah. like, yeah. afterwards, I just wanted to go back home and reread this. I see. Because yeah. it was the closest thing we got to. And, of course, we had no idea The Dark Knight was going to be so much better than this comic. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. We had no <laughs> it was, idea. It's the interesting. Mm-hmm. I think DC did that on purpose. I was yeah. in my junior year of college in 05, I think. <clears throat> If it was February, Ooh. it was junior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Old. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel it. Yes. <laughs> well, now we are getting into the end of our, uh, our uh, episode here. We're going to look at alternative versions of Arkham. These are uh, versions of Arkham Asylum that don't, place, don't take place in current DC continuity or may not even be called Arkham asylum specifically so let's take a look oh shit of course we are going to start with the dark knight returns and i tried to include every bit of arkham that we could see uh in the dark knight uh yeah the dark knight returns so um of course we all know it's written by frank miller Uh, it takes place about 10 years after batman retires it depicts an arkham home for the emotionally troubled presumably a renaming of the asylum which occurs as a result of changing attitudes towards mental health. The Joker is housed there, catatonic since Batman's disappearance, but awakens when the vigilante resumes action. Under the employee of the home is Bartholomew Walper. 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 Home of the Walper. A condescending psychologist who treats 
the Joker humanely, even going so far as to arrange for him to appear on a late-night talk show while arguing that Batman himself is responsible for the crimes his enemies commit by encouraging their existence. Walper is killed when the Joker uses his lethal gas on the talk show audience. Um, so that was a good idea. I, yeah, I love how gray... <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. I love how gray everything is in Arkham. Uh, yeah, this is yeah. more of a one-flew-over-the-cuckoo's-nest type version as opposed to the silence of the lambs uh, you know arkham right. that we're used to you yeah, know yeah 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 uh also the arkham home for the emotionally troubled is the name that snyder took for the snyder cut mm-hmm. justice league unsurprisingly because he you know this is his bible for batman that's right but it is it is interesting yeah, he likes miller it seems it like <laughs> yes it would seem nah <laughs> yeah it is different it is interesting how different this arkham is compared to the one that we're used to it's very clinical. It's mm-hmm. very white and clinical, and I do like how ah, like the Joker's I hair see. stands out. Okay, maybe yeah, maybe they did take the color out to make it seem more sterile. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think it represents that Joker doesn't really come alive until Batman returns, and then when he finally breaks out, and then he's in, you know, he's in all the suits and stuff. He's finally free. That's cool. Yeah, he becomes himself again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have its sequel, The Dark Knight Strikes Again. It is revealed that the patients have taken over and have resorted to cannibalism. Plastic Man is one of the more notable patients in this version of Arkham Asylum. I only included this one page because it, there's not much going on in the story um, mm-hmm. visually for Arkham. I just like this one because it has the people like screaming out. Like their little speech mm-hmm. bubbles and stuff, but uh, yeah. the Dark Knight Strikes Again is not very good, so I would not recommend it. Everybody nope. says that. <laughs> yeah, everybody it's, says it's that. not my Classic favorite. Man being in it's kind of kind of wild. Yeah, very strange. But uh, yeah, I also included the tie-in comic for um, the Dark Knight Returns, which is the Last Crusade, which mm-hmm. I like seeing. Uh, this is John Romita Jr.'s artwork. I actually really mm-hmm. like his all of his characters that he does. I know they all have kind of the same shaped head and stuff, but I just I really like his art style. <laughs> but this mm-hmm. is uh, Joker being brought into Arkham, and this is him leaving Arkham. But I kind of like it. It's still very clinical, uh, white, mm-hmm. very sterile looking. That is true. Uh, but I wanted to include that imagery in there just for us to talk about because it it is a prequel to The Dark Knight Returns, so I thought it'd be worth mentioning. It's mm-hmm. desaturated, at least. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very, yeah, very much so. And then we have JLA The Nail. So, in JLA The Nail, the Joker, using Kryptonian gauntlets provided by a a genetically augmented Jimmy Olsen, breaks into the asylum, erecting a force field around it that prevents anyone but Batman, Robin, and Batgirl from entering. While forcing the rest of the patients to fight each other for a chance to live as his slave when only one is left standing. Catwoman wins the resulting conflict shortly before Brat, uh, Batman breaks into the asylum, but the Joker's gauntlets allow him to capture Batman, forcing him to watch as the Joker brutally tears Robin and Batgirl apart in front of him. Although Catwoman manages to distract the Joker long enough for Batman to escape and damage his gauntlets, the grief-maddened Batman subsequently beats the Joker to death on the asylum roof before the entire building collapses apparently killing most of the current patients, although he and Catwoman managed to escape. 
Batman is only tried for the Joker's death once the immediately uh, once the immediate crisis is resolved, and the sequel confirms that at least Poison Ivy survives the collapse. Mm. So uh, this is pretty wild. It's pretty dark. I've never looks heard like, of this. This was new to me. Looks like Injustice, the game, should get this punch move on the mid- middle uh, bottom here. Fucking yeah, the spiky. Oh, yeah, with those <laughs> yeah. spiky hand. Yeah. Yeah, this mm-hmm. would be a good Injustice Joker right here, I think. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah. this is Grief Madden Batman in the bottom right-hand corner, which yeah. I'm now thinking the white is a stylistic choice because as we zoom in, I can see Batman's pupil. So maybe he doesn't have white yeah. lenses on his cowl. They're just hitting I, yeah, from, it's, the, it's crazy. from the distance. It's just a stylistic yeah. choice, man, I think, generally. Mm-hmm. Ge- probably some people have the, a lens thing, but I don't know. That's just always been my assumption. Yeah, I uh, I need to read this. It seems pretty cool. Uh, it looks very hellish in some of the later panels. Like, it looks like mm-hmm. Joker is demonic. And um, yeah, it reminds right. me a little yeah. of Emperor Joker, where the Joker giving any substantial measure of power is going to completely like run amok and torture mm-hmm. Batman. So, uh, yeah, I want to read this. It seems really interesting. Have either of you read this? I haven't. I, I be honest, I don't really read a lot of Elseworlds just because mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's just like, okay, this is a another what if scenario, but it's so usually so self-contained. And unless I'm like really interested in the premise, I'm usually just like, eh, I put it in the back burner compared yeah. to like, something that is adding to the canon or continuity. Yeah. Sometimes they're just, I, I am a fan of Elseworld, com, Elseworld comics. I think sometimes it just is interesting to see like different takes on specific characters. So, uh, I don't know. It does seem interesting to me. I definitely want to read it. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Elseworlds, this is our last entry. We have Batman Crimson Mist. <laughs> of course. Now, In Batman Crimson Mist, the third part of the trilogy that began with Batman and Dracula, Red Rain, the now vampiric Batman, corrupted by his thirst for blood, breaks into the asylum and murders all the homicidal patients, including Amygdala, Victor Zaz, and the Mad Hatter, drinking their blood and chopping off their heads to prevent them coming back as vampires. It is unclear if he did this while reveling in his new power or to try to provoke his old allies, into destroying what he had become. Um, so yeah, this, this is the last entry in here, and it's pretty dark. We got this Victor is, Zaz having a big old hole ripped in him. This is a hell of a panel here. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. Kelly this, Jones does not hold back. Oh, no. Yeah, He's ripping Zaz's entire torso from top to bottom, is what it looks mm-hmm. like. A big old swipe, but we don't get any guts drawn. But yeah. but yeah, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, really. That's exactly. true. <laughs> so is he? Is he? He's a vampire. So is he turned into mist in this other part here? Is this red? Yes. Thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a that's a vampire power that comes from Bram Stoker's Dracula. The novel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which cool. also has an yeah. insane asylum in it. All right. Yeah. That's right. True. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This looks fucking sweet, dude. Oh yeah. It's uh <laughs> It's one of my favorite Elseworld tales. Yeah. Like the whole Batman like dracula stuff is always really interesting to me so uh Mm -hmm. you're not gonna see this in uh what batman versus dracula the batman i don't think you're gonna see this level of gore but it is pretty cool it's a whole other level you guys can't put this in this pg directed video (laughs) tie into the animated series (laughs) yeah this is a good one yeah well uh (laughs) 
to wrap up, that is the end of the comic history of Arkham Asylum. What do you guys think? What is the most interesting thing you've learned, or what's the most interesting takeaway, starting with Ben? I am curious about if there was any influence between, you know, the Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs type stuff with Arkham Asylum, or vice versa, even. Like, who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe t I'm not expecting to find out Thomas Harris reads a bunch of Batman comics, but, you know... You never know. Stephen King reads Batman comics. Oh, yeah. Not all the time, but he's yeah. a Batman fan. So, he is. Like, yeah. who knows? Uh, it's just interesting to me that the timing of the 80s is where Arkham really gets more solidified as mm -hmm. this is the place that houses these really dark supervillains and the Batman villains get darker and darker as well, even more so than in the 70s around the mm -hmm. same time. And, you know, you don't necessarily see batman fight hannibal lecter but you might as well be seeing it in terms of just the level of darkness that you start seeing from the 80s yeah. on through now uh and just a lot of the different villains the more obscure ones you've talked about who are inmates mm -hmm. in there. it's just really interesting to me how that kind of happens around the same time uh on this so that's pretty much the big thing that just sort of made me wonder or think a little bit more about uh as well as just the general aspects of is Arkham actually haunted? Is there an actual supernatural force behind all this that is creating this not actually rehabilitating anybody? Like, the mm -hmm. inmate list of Arkham does not get smaller at any point in the comics. I mean, no. It goes <laughs> further and further and further. And I don't think anybody really gets cured, or if they are, they get cured temporarily for, like, two issues, and then they come back. God damn yeah. It. It is not a place so. of healing. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> so it is interesting to see if they would ever, you know, to look at the arcs that you described to also see if there are other things that are behind this. You know, why is Arkham security so bad? Is it outside of control? Is it outside of purely guards who are getting bribed? And is it more of because of some supernatural thing going on mm -hmm. uh, or some sort of curse of the Arkham family? Oh, that's another thing I, I forgot to add. Uh, Earth One continuity, Bruce's family on his mother's side are Arkham's. You know, I forgot about that. Yeah. So Bruce is related to the Arkham's, which I think oh, is all kind of a cool idea that Jeff Johns had where it's like, he has a whole history of this family who uh, is trying to rehabilitate the uh, criminally insane mm, for a while. Guess, and that's yeah. his own way to do it. It's hmm. not completely essential, but it was kind of a cool thing that was added to it. But yeah, the Arkham family does, interest me and i kind of wish that they did something a little differently with jeremiah than just make him black mask like yeah give him his yeah own villain please. yeah right yeah that'd be cooler i think mm -hmm. for sure yeah how about you andrew what's your okay, Zach, uh, biggest takeaway biggest takeaway so it came out in 75 you said the first one ever 74 74 mm -hmm. okay so is around this time is this like a, a landmark of turning point in Batman mythos as far as um, true crime stuff getting into the Batman lore more and more. Like nowadays, every Batman villain that's not been grandfathered in or whatever, or they, or even the older ones maybe been changed a bit into a serial killer archetype. Mm -hmm. true I feel like crime, it was kind of... Mine, my, the mine hunter kind of shit, you know, all that seeps into Batman at some point. I don't think 
did I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but Bill Finger and Bob Kane didn't have it quite <laughs> this much in the beginning, right? <laughs> so they were just like, we're we're old fashioned pulps. We're into yeah. like gangsters and Tommy guns, not people who are like carving up their grandmothers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's a point. They, I mean, fucking like Psycho came out in the '40s or some shit, right? So th- they probably saw that movie, but uh, like. And Ed Gein was the the, the real serial killer that, influ- that influenced him. Mm-hmm. Well, Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre did come out in 1974. 74. So there's there's and then the Manson family was what in the late 60s, early 70s or something. Yeah. There's a there's a point at which America's yeah. overrun with mm-hmm. with true crime stories happening. We're the home of serial killers. It seems like Zodiac Killer and all this kind of shit. All of them, you know. Just watch Mindhunter. You get the full Rogues Gallery pretty much mm-hmm. there. Ed Kemper and shit. So, like, to me, the meta thing that's interesting is, like, maybe Arkham Asylum is kind of a byproduct of this affecting America, right? And then mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That, yeah. that gets filtered into the comics this way. And uh, if, if, you know, if you're a writer and you're writing a bunch of characters that are supposed to be mentally unwell at this point, they're not just gangsters and Tommy guns and shit. Mm-hmm. And Batman is a compassionate hero, then you have to try to at least rehabilitate or, you know, the insanity plea, right? So they're in the mental facility for life. So what is the goth the Gotham version? That's Arkham Asylum. So I guess it was bound to happen with the trajectory of the country at large. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of thing I think is kind of interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, just like there's there's a definite point, right? It must have been about this time in the seventies where where it's it's from pulp comics to true crime it, it must have i feel pivoted. like i feel like denny o'neill seems like he was more interested in like serious batman stories yeah isn't this around the time that adam uh lord is it adam neil neil adams neil adams there we go Neil adams and neil dennis adams. o'neill oh mess it's, that one up <laughs> they both have neils they do yeah Yeah, neil adams was doing the artwork and it was getting a little more like serious our dead man and in person right in front of me so i don't feel bad that i got that name wrong (laughs) (laughs) i mean whatever but it was like the makeup's wrong it's not that good (laughs) dude when do you ever see a live action dead man yeah come on man i mean just fucking cut us a break here bro anyway Mm -hmm. I'm not over it yet, I guess. Guys, sorry. <laughs> He's still Continues salty. That. I'm still salty about that one. It was just right. Yeah. I just I just met you, dude. What the fuck, man? <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Zach. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying, I thought that uh, Adams and O'Neill were doing more serious Batman takes, and that, that's like the time that the Joker, you know, became like a, uh, a more serious killer instead of a prankster because they're starting to move away from the what like the, the Doctor Doctor Worth? Yeah. Well, that and the Comics Code Authority oh, yeah, and all it. that stuff from the sixties and yeah, right. You right. know all that. Yeah, so I think they're trying to like move away from that, and I'm sure that they were inspired by, as time went on, like more of the real world, true crime and serial killers as they created it's, more of these characters. I feel like Zaz is like yeah. very much in that vein, but that was in the nineties. So in the eighties, mm-hmm. I don't know if there was as many. Like hardcore serial killers, they were around. in Batman's I mean, Rogues Gallery. Oh, in the in the Rogues Gallery. Oh, um, yeah. I I feel yeah. like there are several several instances of the comics being influenced by that, but like towards closer towards the nineties as yeah. opposed to right in the seventies 
and the 80s. It still trickles in, but maybe they just weren't allowed to go that far yeah. at that time. Where it's still just like, no, we're just doing comic book stories. They're just a little bit more serious. So it's still the uh-huh. Joker, but we're not going into you know, the morality of whether or not to kill the Joker so much and, and whether or not Joker could ever be rehabilitated or how realistically the Joker of how many people he's killed would probably get the death penalty unless mm-hmm. he was, you know, sent to Arkham Asylum. Okay, so in the stuff in the fir- in these in this uh, starting period of Arkham Asylum, it's an asylum. So the main t- change really is, or what was it? Ar- Arkham House. What was it called? Arkham, Arkham Hospital, Hospital was the first one. Arkham yeah. Hospital. So mm-hmm. like the, so it was a kind of a slow transition to where we are now. I guess. I feel like it's a slow transition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was, instead of sending the Joker to jail that he breaks out of, he goes to this and breaks out of it. So. Yeah, I think it's like yeah. I think it's like I comic see. books getting becoming more adult too as time goes mm-hmm. on, and what yeah, just like Ben said, what they're really allowed to explore as far as like their storylines and so and like the subjects subject or yeah. the material. It just seems like all that true crime stuff, at least nowadays, and I don't know, it's maybe it was just a slow trickle into that, and it just. Batman being what it is, and being pulp comic related too, I guess I don't know, but it just seems like those ser- learning about actual real serial killer mentality kind of lends itself to to Batman a lot. Mm-hmm. There's villains, right? So yeah, 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 and him being a fucking detective, uh, you know, working with cops, it's similar. I don't know, it's a very similar thing. So that's the kind mm-hmm. of thing that I've been thinking about with this kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah, Andrew had a deep takeaway. I like it. <laughs> well, kitties, this is your old Uncle Joker. We have been covering the comic book history of Arkham Asylum, my favorite hacienda, <laughs> and this has been <laughs> superhero stuff. You should know. I think it was the first time we had Joker do that. Yeah, yeah I good. thought about that's it. That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right, hacienda. <laughs> Hezekiah Ramirez, age nine. I'm so happy. Dear <laughs> old Uncle nine. Joker. I like <laughs> does that. does not say that. <laughs> no, Born he's not age three nine. days ago. Oh, wait, that's when it was posted. <laughs> Hezekiah Ramirez, dear old Uncle Joker. I'm so happy you're covering this comic. I read this strip as a kid in the San Francisco paper. I still have my original clipping somewhere. And... Fun fact, since you mentioned the Batman Adventures version of the Red Hood, sounds familiar, I was the first <laughs> I was the first person to whom Dan Slott publicly revealed her identity. It was on the Twitter. He saw a tweet I wrote about it and gave me the story. Seriously, <laughs> that's me. I'm the person he revealed it to. Kinda cool, right? <laughs> it is kinda cool. It is. Yeah, right? yeah actually it is. Hezekiah. Yeah, so this, awesome is, this is a fan comment. Just to clarify, this is a fan comment on the uh, newspaper comic strip that we covered, John Hefner, uh, in a previous episode. So mm-hmm. that's where this uh, comment comes in. But yeah, no, that's that's yeah. awesome that that was the case because as John yeah. mentioned in that uh, podcast for a while, it was unknown who the Red Hood was going to be in that specific comic storyline. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad we have yep. some interesting fans then. Yeah, we got a lot yes. of fans that are like kind of plugged in in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. It would be you talking about some plugs, wouldn't it, Andrew? 
That's what I. That's just how I live my life, man. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> let's move on to the next comment. <laughs> yes. So oh, yeah. <laughs> these next two comments are pretty plugged into the action figure stuff. Ooh. All right. <clears throat> Andrew Linehan, age seven. Dear old <laughs> Uncle Joker. <laughs> Does not say age seven. I actually saw the Robin Dragster once or twice as a kid. It in was the revealed toy to store. me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> once or twice as a kid in the toy store at a mall in New York. I remember wanting it, craving it, coveting it. <laughs> the, new, the next time I went to the toy store to get it, I never saw it in the stores again. That's a tragic Whoa. story. Tragic that story, tragic. bro. Yeah. That sucks, man. Mm. Sorry for your loss, man. But I'm At glad that you got to see it, Andrew. And not our Andrew, but Andrew uh, yeah. Lenahan, I'm glad you actually got to see it in person because I certainly never did. Mm. Mm. Indeed. Indeed. And of course, we have. Oh, he's Jose back. Jose Arocha. Yes. All right. <clears throat> Jose Arocha, age 45. Wow. <laughs> oh, this has been. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this has been a fantastic segment. I remember all of these figures through the superpower. Though the superpowers line is a slightly before my time, I had a few of everything that came after. Definitely took me down the nostalgia train. The items I coveted most out of all these lines, but didn't have as a kid with the Batmobiles from Batman Forever and the new Batman Adventures. I have them now, though. LOL. And I'm glad Batman will be in Flash, because that means there will be a new 89 Batmobile made, <laughs> which is a great, which is great, because Todd McFarlane has the TC Toys license deal right now and has been pumping out some fantastic figures. Anywho... Love these deep dives. <laughs> Love that these things still matter to many of us adults. Peace. <laughs> Thank you, Jose. If Thank that you. line was before his time, then he's definitely not 45, probably. Definitely, <laughs> I'm, just, probably. I'm just making up ages. I want this to be like an Ask Uncle Joker section. No, I know. It is, it's, it's funny. It That's is what this funny. comment section turned into. Yeah. But he yeah. did have it. You said something, then he kind of hinted at his age, so I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm, that's true. And he actually, what's made, well, made me laugh is that he actually used the word coveted, which I added to the other person's comment earlier. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, it was a Something's premonition. in the air, man. Yes. That's right. Ah, well, thank you guys for those comments. Uh, you know, we love reading them as always. It's much better than having crickets uh, and it boosts our, our views. So, uh, yeah, we always appreciate comments, positive or negative, but mostly positive. <laughs> Mostly positive. I'm surprised. That's right. I thought we would have a lot more negative, honestly. <laughs> Let's not invite it. <laughs> Let's not invite it. Let's yeah. not invite it, but it, we are on YouTube and podcast land. All mm -hmm. the, you know, so I thought, I don't know, anyway. you know, There's some negative Nellies out there. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. Andrew, right, so. I always fuck up these names, so I'm going to leave <laughs> you. I'm going to leave this to you for the correct pronunciation. <laughs> okay. Pronunciation. Pronunciate and enunciate. Thank you for those comments, and thank you to our Patreon supporters. 
Huar, Shasta, Leom, O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, that's old high school buddy, Aaron Willett, mm-hmm. Nick Noach, Jesse E, Jeffrey R, Scott V, Asgers Webb, Jeremy H, Alex of the What Mean Podcast. By the way, if you want to pay us a dollar to put your podcast in this thank you section, just like Alex did, <laughs> no problem. We will pump <laughs> yes. we will pump out we'll pump your show or whatever the fuck. We'll plug your show. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex of the Pumping What Mean Podcast. Pumping and plugging, podcast. Andrew, Pump- you <laughs> dirty gutter mind. <laughs> Ian Justice, Jared P, Paul C, Jamie H, and a new one, everybody, Rochelle L. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And we want to thank our Ooh. other supporters, Sparkageddon, STCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kukid Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Bowles, Ian H, Walter the Wobot, John Wills, Guy, Jackson Putnam, and Tway in. Mm-hmm. I can't and believe there's another woman listening to us. So, uh, yeah, you know, we, I'm, I'm excited. We're <laughs> up to two now, gentlemen. <laughs> Dude, our YouTube analytics further this uh, assumption, this claim. But uh, that's another story. <laughs> Where'd they go? All right, anyway. Um, so, uh, anyway, yeah, please join the Shasta Army. That's patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. The $1 tier gets you the shout out. The $5 tier gets you a whole new show, everybody. That's every Friday. Uh, and, um, yeah, deeper dives cancel anytime. $10 tier gets you all of that stuff, plus a monthly show once a month where you can, we all get on um, a Zoom like thing and uh, we uh, watch something all together or we react or, or hang out. Something like that. It's generally a topic, though, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's yeah, my favorite. That. Yeah, that's the favorite. Yep. So that's the ten dollar tier, and then uh, please check out our Superhouse merch, and that's uh, you can find that at superhousepod.redbubble.com and superherostuffpod.threadless.com, and we're st- we have the Joker on one of them, <laughs> st- but we gotta get it on <laughs> Redbubble. Oh, no, exactly. Thread- Threadless didn't like the Joker. <laughs> I think. Anyway, I think Ben Manning. Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mugs and shit all over there. Uh, shirts and stuff, shower curtains, artwork by... He doesn't like Wolfie Cruz anymore. He's back to Steph and Santa Cruz. So, <laughs> anyway, former co-host of the show, Steph like, and Santa Cruz. Like Prince. Yeah, so he's back to his old name. known as Wolfie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's, yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah. a whole other story. <laughs> so, yeah, he doesn't listen anyway. So, um... <laughs> you <laughs> never send, know. Send us an audio clip. No, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Please send us an audio clip to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Please animate our sketches. Just hashtag us uh, in the video, please. And I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. And also check out Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube. And thunderwolfdrew.com has all my shit there as well. And then we got amanorecon.com. A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. The beautiful poster by Zacatavius Maximus right here and that is an Indiegogo project I'm working on now Indiegogo is like you probably heard of Kickstarter right Indiegogo is like Kickstarter but it's more for it's more geared towards uh, short films and fan well yes fan films but this is not a fan film uh, this is like a, an R-rated sci-fi horror with some comedy with a Power Rangers influence but again I have to stress it's not a Power Rangers fan film and uh, there's aliens and shit in it so uh, we're working on that now so please uh, check out the website for now and that's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N dot com and that's it from me Ben 
Also, shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can just check us out on Twitter, as we can see right here, at Superhouse Pod. But you can also check us out on Instagram at Superhero Stuff Pod, and also on TikTok at Superhero Stuff Pod. Vero, what are we? Superhero Stuff Pod as well. You can check out my website at benwanrider.com. You can also check out my YouTube channel, which is the link in the description below on YouTube. Uh, you can also check out Early Bird at earl-e-bird.com, where I know Andrew's favorite is Dr. Shimson. Dr. Shimson. Mm-hmm. Also, I always notice your picture in the last one where uh, who took who took the chain picture of you on the train tracks? Uh, a friend of mine. Okay. He dabbles in like, a lot of photography type stuff. Pretty cool. So we went to an abandoned train yard and <laughs> encountered all the... Uh, all the Gotham hoods that were hanging out there, and we yeah. fought them all off, and then we took this picture. And then we called cool. it a day. I see, I it see every some week. of those hoods in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I see it every week, so I just want to know more about it, Ben. All right. Yep. And then we got Vin Diesel and company in the background as well. With their yeah. Cars. Nice. I see him nice. over there. Talking about the families. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then early bird at earl-e-bird.com. Uh, my personal Instagram is at benwanrider. I mean, not .com. <laughs> That's my website. My personal Instagram is benwanrider. There's no .com to that, uh, <laughs> as you can probably see here. Uh, as Zach moves the slide, that uh, a lot of times I do have different pitches for different things. Or we can look at early bird. Early bird. We love I it. was we love zoning out a little. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't want to hear about Vin Diesel and family. Come on, bro. <laughs> And then you can also follow my cat's Instagram at Alfie Pennyworth Cat, my son. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Love it. Who, uh, if you can see in the visual, has is trying to get his own podcast going on because he's screaming into the mic in that one picture. Uh, but uh, if you also have an Alfie or your own cat, like all of the co-hosts have over here, then you can get Whisker Box, a special only cat box, only the cat box for the crazy cat lady and gent. And if you don't have a cat but you have a dog, then you can get the Bark Box, y'all. That's exactly what we talk about in the break. And that is one where you can get the first month free valued at $35 if you use the link. And that link is over at SuperheroStuffPod.com slash shop. And that's where you can get all these different affiliate links for getting all types of stuff that you can get that will help us out as well as add to your own collection. And that is it for me. Mm -hmm. Over to Zach. Please tell me you got the deal with uh, Gentle Giants, bro. I really want to know if you got that deal yet or not. We don't have that kind of money, Andrew. (laughs) Oh, man, I wish. What are you thinking? (laughs) After you get the deal, you will have it. Yes, that's right. Got to get those Gentle Giants. (laughs) Well, if you'd like to see more of my artwork, um, my artwork was not in the thumbnail this week. Uh, There's too many other great artists who... Uh, showcase, but if you'd like to see more from me, you can go to ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com and you can also uh, follow me on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Just look up Zachary Jackson Brown Art. And now that it has been put out there in the public, I might as well say it on here for our listeners and our viewers your old Uncle Joker is going to become your old Uncle Dad. <laughs> so, yes. Your old Uncle Dad. Something like that. from the South, boy. You are your own uncle. (laughs) But yes, me and my wife are going to be uh, bringing a child into this world uh, this coming. March is the due date. So yes. uh, All right. So March 2022, that's that's when we're going to have you do a lot of the episodes, right? Right, Yeah, man. Oh, hell no. 
<laughs> you gotta get leave, as much out of me as you can before then. <laughs> you don't get uh, paternity leave pay here at the uh, Greenlit Podcast Network. So, uh, well, shit. You're screwed on that end, man. Well, that's all right. <laughs> I'm willing to make that sacrifice. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service, bro. <laughs> it was a good well, run. <laughs> it's yes, and I, I am looking forward to it. It'll be. It'll be different, but uh, I, I'm excited to be able to corrupt the mind of a youth that I don't <laughs> just teach in public school, but is my own, my very own youth. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how That's it goes. Awesome. And thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. This, Like I said, this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to taking on some more uh, subjects that are uh, kind of my favorite things to talk about as far as Batman goes. Hopefully some more toy and merchandise-related stuff coming down the pipeline. But... Again, this has been the comic book history of Arkham Asylum, and I'd like for you all to do us a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about us. Kaka! <laughs> <laughs> Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network.